it will only be insensitive once I explain it to people, probably. So it will so get more good. insensitive the more you clarify. Right. <laughs> that's what you want. <laughs> that tried to warn you about the year of the rabbit. We really did. There is. Where? There. What, behind the rabbit? There is the rabbit. You silly sod. What? You got us all worked up. Well, that's no ordinary rabbit. That's the most foul, cruel, and bad-tempered rodent you ever set eyes on. You tit. I saw my arm and I was so scared. Look, that rabbit's got a vicious street a mile wide. It's a killer. Get stuck. It'll do you a treat, mate. Oh, you yeah? manky Scots git. I'm warning you. What's he do? Nibble your bum? He's got huge sharp. He can leap about. Look at the bones. Go on, boys. Chop his head off. Right, silly little beater. One rabbit suit coming right up. I've done it again. I warned you, but did you listen to me? Oh, no, you knew it all, didn't you? Oh, it's just a harmless little bunny, isn't it? Well, it's always the same. I always oh, tell them. Up. Do they listen to me? Right. Oh, no. Shut Sitting across the way from my good friend and co-host, that's Abe. How you doing tonight, Abe? Doing well, Bob. Yeah, here we are. Lori's here too. How you doing, Lori? I'm fine. Lori's just fine. Tonight is Monday, January 23rd, 2023. The very last week of my 40th year. Oh, the Jesus end is near. Christ. Yeah. Abe, uh, I want to apologize for that offensive open to the show <laughs> using a, a clip from the Monty Python. It's also the radio listeners, the listeners that I are mean, the I, viewers. You can tell what's going on there okay. with the Monty Python and the if you say so. Holy Grail. I wasn't watching and know the movie, so. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a visual format. Head on over to the website. I'll link to the the video if you need a refresher on that particular bit uh it is the year of the rabbit the, the chinese the lunar new year not supposed to say chinese new year i think is that that's uh that's is it because but it, it's not limited also, to china yeah right, right but i mean colloquially here yeah. in the state we've often called it the chinese well and chinese new year. people call it chinese new year i think do they 
I can bet check you at work tomorrow. I'll bet you they don't say Chinese New Year. I bet uh, they say some... Well, Kel Sang, like, like, from Tibet... Mandarin is, words. So Tibet isn't China. Tibet, famously not China. Girl I work with is from there, and when she brings us treats from the celebration of the Lunar New Year, and people are like, what are these treats from? She says, Chinese New Year. Yeah, but she's just making it palatable and understandable for the gringos. Yeah. That's pretty right. much what she's doing all the time. Whatever the Asians call white people. I don't think the Asians call white folks gringos, but who knows? She just says white people. Gringex, maybe, to be uh, no. more politically correct. No. Abe. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, what did you get into this weekend for the Lunar New Year? Anything fun? Uh, well, I did not observe the Lunar New Year. Uh, I did uh, spend some time with the family, and then I separately went to go see a comedy show, like a stand-up show. Uh, oh, yeah? With, out in the world? With yeah, people? Yeah, at, at the uh, Punchline here in Atlanta. Uh, Ooh, famous venue. So, I, I don't know when the last time it was that I went to, to a... Uh, stand-up show but i remember there wasn't a lot of disruptive audience incidents like you don't hear like heckling at least i my experience was that you go watch it i mean the comedians are either funny or not but like there's not like interaction from the crowd like some drunkard like right you know Maybe, or something. if there is it was occasional it would it would be right a, yeah it would yeah it would happen thing. every yeah on three occasions in a 90 minute setting Three different people were heckling different comedians, and these are like wow. professional comedians. This isn't. This wasn't some open mic night. This no, was a, no. Like it's a, like you you pay yeah. you pay like twenty dollars to get in. They got the two drink minimum. It's like you know typical stand up whatever. And any names we would know? Any uh, famous comedians? So the headliner the was a Greg Fitzsimmons, who's made appearances like on the Howard Stern show, and like he, yeah, he, he kind of mixed around. Familiar to me, right? I'd need to Google, but yeah, right. But the it's just weird. I, I I wonder what they're thinking because one of the the hecklers were people that were sitting right next to me, and I, you know, people always say prejudice is bad and blah blah blah, but I prejudge them as being uh, <laughs> an unsavory sort. You know that they would like take it upon themselves Be- to like before, before they heckled yeah, or before, once as, they were heckling. As soon as we started sitting down, they're like, "Hey, blah blah blah, I'm here with so and so," and just like, "All right, I don't like this energy, uh, but I'll play along," <laughs> you know. And was it was it assigned seating or could you have gotten up and found another table? It was assigned seating, uh, and it was okay. most it was like you know mostly packed. Uh, so there wasn't like oh there's a whole section you can just move to. So you're just kind of right. there. Uh, and she, they, they she was one of the people that would just like cut you know somebody would say something and it's just so like a weird. the inner monologue just out loud. Like I think the it was some something something Joe Rogan. It wasn't even like the joke, but just like just the name just triggered something in them. Like, oh no, fuck that guy or something. Just like very loud to the comedians. Like, what the fuck? My my prejudgment not being in the room is that that was a white woman. Although I I That's... have no idea of knowing. <laughs> is it, was it a white woman? Abe, I don't know where you make this connection, but. Incidentally, yes, but like I don't think. What 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 was the math there? You just kind of guessed. I'm making no further judgments. I'm just saying if you I used were used a female pronoun for one thing. If I were so creating that the, by half. If yes. I were creating this That's character true. that you had described in my head, I would have guessed white woman. That's all. The other two were just dudes. Did the comics react? Did they? Did just they? Another shooting. This yeah. What? Really? Yeah, in California. 
Boy, oh boy. Seven people fatally shot in San Mateo County, California, the state's second mass shooting in three days. A suspect is in custody, officials said. Is breaking news. This evening, I suspect we're going to get a bunch of these because what happens is that not necessarily that there will be more shootings in a, in a sudden little condensed time frame, but rather any time a shooting happens now over the course of the next week, it will be reported on right. nationally. And so the Times and the people at the Washington Post and whoever else puts out breaking news alerts and push notifications will just have to decide at some point that the the three people that were killed in Des Moines do not rate highly enough to be a right. push notification. But until we get to that point... Uh, we will keep finding out about all of these shootings that are just regular occurrences. And it, it won't actually be that there's a spate. It will just feel like a spate. It's just, it's just that they're happening everyone all the wants time to talk anyway. About it. Right. So. Yeah, people get shot all the, all the time. But, I mean, who knows how the, 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 the first round of people, too many people getting killed incident the uh, in, in Los Angeles or close to Los Angeles. Like, if that ends up being some sort of, like, ideologically more like you know pull, you know taiwan whatever you know it could be anything I'm, I'm just speculating here but if it's that type of thing then it'll be covered more than just people getting shot because unfortunately you have to make distinctions and to say this one is worth more as far as coverage than the other uh but that's why one story would be covered over the other if there right. was some and sort of the, the main reason that this first one gets covered is because it's happening at a I mean yeah it's ten people so presumably eleven 10 I think, is a, right yeah now it's eleven it was ten the night of and then somebody else has since died so there's well, ten there were ten initial victims and ten more people went to the hospital and and now there are eleven dead plus the shooter makes twelve if you want to count it that way anyway how was your comedy show. <laughs> It was good otherwise. Otherwise, good, yes. Well, good. Did the so yeah? I forgot to finish the question. Did, did the comics talk back to the hecklers, or did they just like tell them to shut the fuck up and right. move so, along? So this this happens uh, frequently enough, I guess. That the, a lot of the, uh, the 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 comedians seem to know how to kind of navigate that, like or just kind of respond to that. The opening guy was rattled, and he was thrown off, and he wasn't back. And I think he probably just hasn't been doing it as long. But the the mid middle guy and the headliner, they it was like nothing to them. They were able to just right. like make a joke out of it and just move on. And there's always some uh, uh, staff person that comes over and tells you know talks to you. And since the person was right next to me, the the second incident, second of three, was right next to me, so I could hear what they say. And, and the spiel is, we ask you not to do that. Right. <laughs> Was there vicarious? Was there vicarious guilt? Did you feel like vicarious <laughs> yeah. guilt and or shame because you're sitting right next to this not, person? Not, not one that inter- but basically as soon as they said it out loud, there was like a little wince, like oh no, right. like <laughs> come on, you were doing so well. Like it was like seventy minutes into a ninety minute kind of thing. Like we're almost there. It's that same instinct that says that I just want to be the center of attention. Like, yes, it's the last thing that I have. Like I just have zero interest like it's why we didn't have a wedding because i even for a, even a small wedding with a very minimal amount of of people who show up there's no That's getting around terrible. it right Lori and i would be the center of attention yeah for at least a few hours and that's that sucks we don't want that that's not our thing it's the same reason that i don't yell at people when they're performing on stage but i mean aside from like don't think that's why normal human <laughs> kindnesses also okay 
also with a wedding or anything else, like there, it's a predictable. You, you can t- there's going to be a positive uh, attention given to you, right? A positive attention. Like even if you're just one of these people, like you must know people generally don't like that, right? Like I mean, people aren't like oh. But they always say uh, good attention is better than bad attention, but no. Bad attention is better bad than no attention. Okay. Yeah. So no okay. Gotcha. So basically, children. They're talking about children. Yeah. That's how you get these these kids growing up with their daddy issues, and they, they, they continue to act out the older that they get. Not to psychoanalyze the kind lady sitting uh, off to your side last night, but one wonders what sort of a relationship she has with her father. By the way, uh, again, <laughs> just to give some proper context, there were three people who echoed. Two of them were dudes, right? And uh, they, right, they, right. They, absolutely. <laughs> Yeah, but what's their relationship with their father? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. One of them was like They're old not- as shit. He was just drunk. I wonder if there is a uh, if there there's certainly no way to study this, but if heckling is indeed becoming more widespread at these shows in the culture, is it one because of the vaccine. No, not the vaccine. <laughs> Although I don't remember. If, did I say it? I don't think I quite said it in our prediction show because I got sidetracked by the fact that I said that there was going to be an immediate conspiracy theory about Damar Hamlin and the vaccine, and that turned out to be immediately correct. But one of my predictions about this year that I don't think I got to, but I might as well say it now, this vaccine stuff, it's just only going to continue to get way worse. And like the conversation around COVID is only going to get worse somehow, even though COVID will maintain at roughly the same trajectory. Like it's just, it's weird how this, like this, uh, suddenly died is now a phrase that you see used all of the time. And like it's a code for these anti-vaxxers yeah. to say that like suddenly died is the media's way of saying uh, they died because they had the vaccine. And it's like Lisa Marie Presley had a had heart failure. She suddenly died. And it's like, oh, well, you see the vaccine got her. Uh, first of all, in the immediate aftermath, there's no reason to believe one way or another that she was even vaccinated or like what was going yeah, on with her it, it, all, all of that uh is just assumed just just for the sake of like i don't know finding connections it, it is weird like if you uh subscribe to that thinking like you know the the pattern recognition thing that humans do it, it must be like oh any random incident now where they don't know exactly what happened they're like oh it must be one of those things like people right. just don't die but people apparently die all the time you know, they really do. And there's like seven and a half billion people on the planet or something. China's uh, diminishing right. population, notwithstanding. So like people are going to suddenly die all the fucking time. And it's still not like a whole lot of people dying. Right. It's uh, kind of like, uh, you know, uh, with the very thin margins that the uh, uh, McCarthy's uh, GOP has currently. Right. And it's, it was the same when Pelosi was there and also in the Senate. Whenever there's like razor thin margins, you realize how fragile things are like those senators that would just have a stroke, right? Like, and it just kind of made it like uh, precarious for a while. Like, if they can get legislation through because people get strokes randomly. And just like this past week on, uh, on McCarthy's side, there was some dude, and it had to be uh, s- some uh, guy, I forget from where, but like he, cl- he went up a ladder, whoops, fell, and he got. Oh, yeah, like, yeah. The congressman. Yeah, yeah. I forgot. About that story. Got severely hurt. But the thing is, like, when if, – if the margins were much larger, nobody would care about – even a member of Congress getting into a little thing, right? But because the, it is such a razor-thin margin, 
Uh, you, might people, be, you might be out mowing your grass and then be attacked by your angry neighbor, for right. example, and have right. multiple and ribs broken. The vaccine. Right. <laughs> exactly. So, like, that would go unnoticed in any other context. But those kind of things happen all the time. People die all the time. People get strokes all the time. It just happens a lot, but nobody pays attention to it. But now people have this motivated, like, reading of things. And they'll find these right. patterns with ease. My eternal optimism says that because of that, maybe people will stop suddenly dying yeah. if we start paying attention. Yes. So this is all good after all. One of those, uh, one of the diamond and silks, I don't know which That's one. That's right. But yeah, one of them did what? die for, uh, recently. One of, one of them died, uh, and that was, that was framed as talking in code? died suddenly. Diamond no, and are silk? you unfamiliar with diamond and silk? There yeah. are the two characters that would make the rounds in conservative media outlets. And I think they got like a show or some sort of hosting thing. They uh, had a podcast and video podcasts and something. Why would uh, I be familiar with any they of were they, they, big they, pro-Trump people. They were, Again, and they were free- what, who do you think I am? <laughs> yeah. They were featured prominently on Fox News. Actually, they ended up going somewhere else because Fox News, the company, has a very strict policy about vaccinations. Uh, despite what they air on TV. Uh, and they were, uh, you know, there's like, uh, there are two different types of these schemers. One, they're true believers, and the others are just like, kind of like, I'm just in it for the fame and the notoriety and the whatever, or just to piss somebody I don't like off or whatever, right? And they were in that first camp where they actually believed in the stuff they were saying, so they were went unvaccinated, um, and she got a she had a bad. Have you come. ever watched a segment? Have you ever watched a, a segment yeah. of Diamond and Silk? The, the first time, honestly, I'm not making a joke. The first time I I came across them, I thought they were like a com. They were doing like a bit. I thought it, it was like a like, it. like a yeah, Stephen Colbert too. bit, like. I had not watched them at all, and then this week I watched – it was like a three-minute video of Diamond and Silk, and 90 seconds in, I thought I'd been watching for like 10 minutes. <laughs> it's like like because time time slows down and expands because my level of horror is like yes. – I could hear a clock go tick. Yeah. Yeah. Tick. Because like it's it's like what is happening? How are these people like how did millions of people listen to these people and believe them to be worth listening to? And I, I don't have any particular clip to play, but wow, how these people managed to make themselves famous. Donald Trump brought us lots of things. Right. And and uh, allowing these people to become famous is is one of them. Apparently he went to talk at her funeral. Again, uh, uh, deep apologies. I'm not sure which one's dead, but one of them is one of them is dead. I, you and- know, I, I, before the show started, I knew which one, but you've thrown me off with your I don't know which one, and now I don't know either. So right. I'm blaming <laughs> That's you. That's how Abe's brain works. I think it's Diamond. <laughs> That's I'm pretty how sure Abe's brain works. I'm pretty I sure it's, about it, and now I don't know anymore. I'm pretty sure it's Diamond. <laughs> Who's dead now? Yeah, Diamond is the one who's dead now. I've looked it up. He apparent he went to speak and apparently just gave like his his rote campaign speech that he usually gives as the eulogy for this woman. That, that, that makes sense. He memorial have, service. Yeah, usually right. Like Trump doesn't have a eulogy speech in him, right? He no. never attended any of those like you know state funerals that no. that, that were on his watch when when some you know the eulogy McCann- is about someone besides him. So maybe yeah, that's he can't do that. Yeah. Anyway, what were we talking about? I don't fucking know. Anyway, oh, yeah. So I brought up Diamond and Silk because people were talking about how it must have been the vaccine that killed her, 
even though this is somebody who made a very loud and frequent point about never getting the vaccine. Right. And so, like, how you can blame this on the COVID (laughs) vaccine. Like, what she did was she got, uh, uh, apparently she got a respiratory disease, probably pneumonia and COVID and, and like the combination of things and the fact that she's a big old fat lady and like that, those things, and she's a little bit older. So like those things don't go together well. So now she's dead, but it wasn't the vaccine. It was the, the virus that she possibly could have, could have not gotten as badly had she just gotten the vaccine. Right. And also, by the way, uh, like if they literally had, like, I mean, it'd be, a cruel thing to do is so don't actually do this. But if they literally put it up on a scoreboard, death from the virus no, versus death from the vaccine. Oh, did they? No, in Slate. I mean, it's Slate, so who knows? Yeah. But they, they've looked at everybody who died. Yeah. And when it's measurable, people who have not been vaccinated die a little bit more. Like, yeah. it's not a lot more. Yeah. But it's a little so. If anything, vaccine wins, right? At not not dying. Right. I don't know. I could find it, but I don't feel like it. Yeah. So back to the comedy club. I don't think that it is the vaccine that is causing people <laughs> to uh, heckle more. But I do wonder if twenty years of social media might have something to do mm-hmm. with it. Maybe. Like, is it possible that this? Uh, TikTok culture, the, the Instagram and the Facebook and the culture that we live in. Right. Either it means people just naturally believe that their bullshit is more important for the room to hear. And like, what, this guy's on a stage? Like, what, right. what makes yeah. him so special? Right. I've got I've got 3,500 followers on, on my various social media accounts. Why? Surely these people want to hear from me more than they want to hear from the asshole or on the stage. even worse, they're trying to get videoed and then get on the internet from, like, look at this asshole. Right. Yeah, I don't know. I'm sure that – I'm sure heckling isn't actually any worse than it was 15 or All 20 right. years ago. But maybe – well, I don't know. I don't go to comedy clubs. Abe's the one who – Knows that. Hey, when was the last time that you put yourself up on stage? You used to uh, frequent the, the other side of the comedy that. club lights. I, I think I went up like a, like I don't know how many times over eight months, and then I was like, I'm not going to do this anymore. This is ridiculous. <laughs> I never got to see you. It's yeah, one of my <laughs> one of my big regrets in For life is not getting to see Abe on stage. Uh, seeing Abe on Zoom. This is fun. Anyway, uh, let's talk about. Is there anything to talk about with the the shooting out there in no. California? The uh, turns out it's an older Asian fella, which is kind of strange. It's not the typical profile of one of these mass shooters, but then again, it's not a typical victim group of one of these mass shooters either. It was a group of elderly or middle to late middle aged celebrants of the Lunar New Year at some dance hall, like a like a community center type place. Yeah. And I think all of the victims were between 50 and 80 years old. Yeah. This is like the the rabbi, the Jewish one, older people. Yeah. Yeah, the except it's not young. like, yeah. I mean, there were a bunch of these like stop AAPI hate accounts that were talking about how this is a, and they weren't explicitly saying this is a hate crime, but they were very quick to, you know, pick up that mantle and then just as quickly had to sort of put it down when it turns out that the perpetrator is... They can still be hate. The hate. You can still, just because it's not directly related It's not to the sort one. of AAPI hate that they're uh, primarily concerned with and not the kind that they're best able to fundraise on, which is the, the primary motivation for these groups. 
but we don't have to talk about the crass, Let's disgusting not. politics of that. The only funny bit that I have to contribute to this story, which is what you want, really, exactly. when you're talking about the senseless mass murder of a whole bunch of uh, people who are just trying to have a nice time, and then some maniac shows up with, with a gun, is that you want me to make a funny quip about it, hopefully. There was Here a uh, there was a picture. <laughs> Look, uh, I didn't. I'm not the asshole who would uh, climb up on the open mic night stage over a long storied eight month career. Here, you know. Uh, anyway, uh, <laughs> there was a picture in the. Uh, There's this picture at the New York Times, and it had like a do- like, like was it six or eight or something of heavily. Armored oh, that's uh, right. police officers, yeah. like a SWAT team, the van, right? approaching the back yeah. side yeah. door of a white van. And the caption of it is, law enforcement conducted a SWAT operation in Torrance, California, following a shooting that killed at least 10 in nearby Monterey Park. Right, So that's the caption. Yeah. And then the first line in the story is, the gunman who killed 10 people and wounded at least 10 others at a ballroom dance hall in Monterey Park, California, shot and killed himself after being pulled over for a traffic stop, L.A. County Sheriff said late Sunday, which I found it's the sort of headline and picture and first line in the story combo that just seems like total bullshit. Like if you lived in a world that was that you just regularly got told absurd lies by the government, it would look like that. (laughs) Which is like 10 police officers approaching the back door of someone's house. And then you find out later in the news, it's like, yeah, that that, that guy killed himself. That's what we're going to go with. (laughs) And and then with like a straight face, it's like, yeah, this is the, this is our posture. That's bullshit. Right. Uh, Not to make light of it or anything. Obviously it's horrible. And usually with these old guys, you never find out the motive. Like it's the young idiots who are obsessed with making sure everyone knows why they did it. Right. But like the older you get seemingly, the less interested you are in like the Vegas guy. Right. Like the Vegas guy will just never know. Either either the government found out and it's just too much for us to handle. Like whatever it is, it's just they've decided that we can't know. Uh kind of like the the Kennedy killing, like where the FBI continues to insist that there are files that Americans just we simply would not be able to stomach. I mean, we, I believe that people in the '60s wouldn't have been able to stomach it, but like we're a lot more hardened now. I think we could handle it. Yeah, the explanation is that obviously the CIA had something to do with it. He, Oswald was in some way some sort of an asset uh, right. in a meaningful way. That's the only rational explanation. Or you know. The story is, as presented is true. Or that. Anyway, nothing much to say about the awful goings on. I don't Other, think, Abe, you got something? Yeah, maybe I haven't tracked all of these incidents, but to me it seems like the, the on, on the death penalty front, I just find it odd that all of these dudes, the Las Vegas guy, this guy, like death isn't like a punishment. It's like an escape hatch. Like I'm going to cause mayhem and destruction for as long, it's almost like a merge lane. I'll just be an asshole until the very front, and then just I'm gonna off myself. And so, like, it seemed like the worst that they would want to happen to them is capture and then imprisonment for whatever. Like, basically, they have no control there or limited control. Uh, and so, like, it seems like the whole experiment of like let's kill somebody to prevent them from doing anything has failed in many other ways. But now it's like in the real world, people are just like fuck. I'm gonna cause 
all this damage. Could that be and, a feature? Could that be a feature of these older guys too? Like the yeah, maybe where they are more willing to kill themselves at the end of their sprees rather than or at least the, the young older ones assholes don't... who are happy to be collected. Right, the older people, and again, I haven't tracked all of them, but like they just kill themselves. Like they they don't go out. Like they don't engage and do like the suicide by cop thing. They just like just kill. Right. By the time they get there. But I, I think young, some of the younger shooters are doing that also. They're just killing themselves or engaging long enough to die. Well, as you always say, like do that part first yes. next time. Yeah, right? promoting suicide in certain cases. Yes, just do that yeah. first and leave other people be. Well, first call that hotline. Uh, some there's yeah. some hotline. Do the do, yeah. There was uh, you know uh, <laughs> during the uh, football games yesterday they they always do the. Uh, like the, whatever the last game is, like oh, we have a a lot of people watching. Let's let's uh, some bullshit show we're promoting. Let's make that be, fo- let, let that follow whatever the last game is, right? And so on Fox, right. they had this show. It's like an like every episode standalone kind of show, and you know the the theme is like accused. And so like on the first ep- in the first episode, they wanted to lead off with like what if you're raising a monster? Like does this. Yeah. Like, ever since they were young, like, they're, hey, let's go out to the woods, and they bring back, like, a dead bird, and the parents are looking at each other, and, like, the mother's right. in denial, the father's like, this kid is gonna do something, and then he's now in high school, and uh, he's right, like, he's, I'm gonna kill that girl because she was mean to me, or I'm gonna, and they're like, oh my god, this is a disaster, and so the father hatches this plan of, I'm gonna take the kid out hiking did and you, just push him off a ledge. Did you watch this show, or yes. did you just watch yes. the previews for the show? As the show is starting, mark. I'm like, what a cynical scheme they got, trying to get me to stick around, and, and I watched the whole thing, so good job, Fox. So. <laughs> but anyway, he was like thinking of throwing him overboard, the kid catches on, and then he makes nice. He's like, oh, I just wanted your attention, Dad, blah, blah, blah. And the father's like, oh, I thought I was coming up here to kill my kid, and I had a breakthrough. What an idiot. I can't believe how I does thought. The, how does the kid get wind of the plan? How does that happen in <laughs> the context of the Because are very smart. Does he just smell something is off? He's got like well, a, yeah, a I mean, keen sixth sense? He, he he kept on being like very weird with his kid. Like It's like, you sleep first. You sleep over there. And then like uh, let's go to this very dangerous little uh, pass. Uh, don't worry, I'm not going to push you or anything. <laughs> just <laughs> walk out of me. Uh, kid, that kid, that, you know what that kid's thinking is game recognized game. Is what that game recognized fame is what right. that kid's thinking. Yeah. He knows. Uh, that's right. But anyway, there's a lot, I know the, 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 this segment usually goes at the end, but like the uh, the kid apparently was fucking with them. Like the make nice thing was just a ruse to kind of yeah, throw I knew him that off the scent. And the next day he went and Killed a bunch of people in high school. Yeah. yeah, that'll show dad. And the father, basically they catch wind of it. He goes to trial for some bullshit. But anyways, his, his wife at the end was like, I, I can't believe, you know, she found out that he was going up there to kill him, right? Like, I can't believe. And she's like, oh, actually, that was a good idea. You should have done that. You should have went through with <laughs> the pushing of our child. Yeah, now, she, now she's mad at the that husband for not killing the child. Show. Yeah, but no, it was good, yeah. So there, there were, I mean, Fox themselves are promoting situational homicide suicide to prevent uh future damage you've set this up to record on your dvr i presume moving forward you're not going to miss any more episodes of accused on i'll Fox, give it one you? more episode yeah see how it goes <laughs> speaking of uh 
fucking dumpster fires. Were there any good football games this weekend? The, uh, the, there were two. There were two close games, but were there any good football? No games good this games, and also I, 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 I read a stat somewhere where for the first time in like thirty some odd years, uh, all four point totals came under, which usually doesn't happen. There wasn't a lot of good like back and forth in any of the games. I was feeling good. I had the. We had the Jaguars Chiefs was the first game of the weekend, and I had the over in that game to make some money. And then somebody rolls up on Patrick Mahomes' ankle, and he gets a high ankle sprain, and in comes Chad Henney. Right. And I thought, oh, God damn it, we're never going to get there. And they almost did. They got within like a couple of points of the over, but they never quite made it. And uh, my gambling didn't didn't recover too much after that. From that the get go, you're off track immediately. Right off, all because of That's Mahomes' high ankle sprain. Yeah. <laughs> but I have momentum going into the weekend on the gambling. Yeah, I suspect uh, they're going to make that move illegal. They uh, grab the quarterback and like just kind of use your body weight because inevitably somebody's leg is going to get tangled up. Like that, it's a very right. Dangerous... So is that a dirty? Ta- I saw that no, online where I mean, people were insisting that right? it was that it was sort of dirty. And my feeling is like I don't know if it was dirty or if it was just sort of a bad tackle. And I don't know that you can be yeah. mad at somebody for not being a great tackler. Like, yes, it's better if he wraps him up around the hips or around the shoulders right. and then takes him down. But if you grab him and you just sort of slide down his body, right. like, it's not a great tackle. But it's also, like, that's also how Mahomes gets out of things nine times out of ten, right? Right. Is the guy slides right off him and now he's, he's yeah, that, either yeah. run off to the side and he's side-arming it and he's good to go. Like, it's just a sort of freak act. I don't know. You can legislate from that one bad tackle that has an unfortunate result. It's too I, much. I know it, it can be demeaning to the quarterback, but uh, whenever these guys are so much stronger than the quarterbacks, they can always just lift them up. So, like if if it's a choice between yanking them down and maybe a leg gets caught up and somebody gets hurt or just lift him up and it, he just looks like you're just lifting up some guy. Or you're uh, holding him and his, his legs start running like yeah. that in the air, like he can't touch like the ground. The, like yeah. in LSU. The, oh, know. that's right, yeah. Uh, well, the, George, the George Ellison where he just well, yep. he just lifted him up and Lift I think they're like up. celebrating, right, while he had him up. Yeah. 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 But also, wasn't there a point of emphasis years ago uh, in the NFL where if you're in the grasp, so basically you couldn't do the, like if you just have somebody long enough, they, they usually say that's it. Like you're with you're yeah, but how there. long? Like that's the thing. Like yeah. you, you, they could blow the whistle on Eli yeah, Manning, and then we don't we don't have too. the fucking helmet catch, and that's a disaster for right. everyone. Like a disaster for everyone except the Patriots, which okay. obviously means a disaster for everyone. Bad football. Uh, Jags Chiefs was not great. Giants got uh, steam Eagles broke. Giants was a Whew. disaster yeah. as I expected it was probably going to be. And like the fool's gold of the last week of the season where the Giants played a bunch of their scrubs and kept it within a score. And as the Eagles like had every incentive to win that game because they were after the number one seed. Right. So the Eagles had to have it. The Giants weren't weren't even really bothering to compete for it. And still, it was only like a six-point game or something like that by the end. That was nonsense. That The Eagles just couldn't quite finish a bunch of drives in that game, and so they kicked a ton of field goals. In this one, they did not have that problem and just absolutely steamrolled the Giants. And I had only watched the Eagles a few times this year. If this is what the Eagles are, they're way better than I thought they were. My, my impression of them was that they weren't that oh, the good. The Eagles have been good but, all year. You're weird. No, I know, but you look at the 
just looking at the schedule, the, the schedule didn't particular because the NFC is so bad. Like if you play the teams in the NFC South, the NFC South is fucking terrible. But, and you look at the like the Falcons schedule, they won seven. They they could have won the division, yeah, they were, and they were a wretched right, football team. Right. I mean, there's just a lot of bad football. But it played is top this year. heavy. I mean, the 49ers are very good. At, I mean, the the Cowboys are also good if it weren't for their quarterback. And yeah, the Eagles are very good. Well, first, the Bengals-Bills game was a total letdown because the Bills couldn't get any offense going. And what whoever, happened? Yeah. What happened with the Bills? Yeah, who, I mean, last year— What happened with the Bengals' offensive line is yeah, the real question. That's true. The Bengals' offensive line was dreadful against a not-as-good uh, Ravens team last week. And they week. lost more players like uh, on the O-line like since that. Right, like that, the whole point of this Bengals team is that they had a great offensive line for the first like 12 weeks of the year. And then they since then they've lost three of their starters and had to replace them with uh, very inexperienced players, including one rookie, I think, making his first start of the year. And they absolutely physically dominated the Bills. Their offensive line ran that entire game. And if they're able to do that again, then the Chiefs game is going to be more interesting than you necessarily want it to be if you're a Chiefs fan. I mean, the Bengals, what, they've won every—I mean, Joe Burrow's Bengals are 3-0 and against Mahomes' Chiefs. They've beaten— right. Mahomes is, hasn't beaten the Bengals in some time yeah. now, yeah. It, it, it'll be interesting how that goes. But the Bills, I mean, preseason, a lot of people had them going to the Super Bowl or winning the Super Bowl, getting far— Last year was it last year that that, that back and forth and basically they just ran yes. out they ran out of possessions like they're going oh it was insane they're going back and forth with the Chiefs a great game and you're like okay they'll be back you know uh, just a weird overtime rule that just never got the ball back or whatever right that right. was the argument and and now what ten points they scored they, at home you're at you're at home at home in a snow game in a right snow in game a, in that's like a, you're to coming to you. Buffalo you're getting right. the full Buffalo experience right. and they just completely shit the bed. And again, it's just, I mean, it's its not just the Bengals' offensive line. It's just that the Bills could not get anything going when they had the ball. It was terrible. And, yeah, I don't know. I don't know what it means for the Bills' uh, long-term prospects. But uh, Josh Allen is still really good, yeah, so I'm sure they'll, that they'll be, be fine. fine. Uh, and then the Cowboys and 49ers. 49ers are a good team. That, that coach of theirs, Kyle Shanahan, is a very, very good coach. And I have now determined that, uh, what's going to happen because of all of the shit that I've talked about Stetson Bennett is that Stetson Bennett is going to end up on the San Francisco 49ers <laughs> and he's going to win a Super Bowl with Kyle Shanahan because Kyle Shanahan takes dumpster fires of quarterbacks and like just outright mediocrities and goes to championship games with them. Right. Like just, I mean, this guy it's, is it's like his specialty. Mr. Irrelevant, right? Purdy, then this next Tom Brady uh, that, that's playing for them. Like he was like right. literally Purdy, the last Purdy's pick. not great. Like he can make the th- he can but make you know the what? throws that are necessary to make. He's not very very last pick. Bad. Like I, 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 this talent evaluation thing's throwing me off. Like people are picked like okay, in, but is Jimmy is Jimmy Garoppolo a great quarterback? No, but no. he's cute. No. But no, but and this he guy went, makes he, a and, lot and of Shanahan good throws. Was able I mean, to do the same thing with Jimmy G last year, right? right? Very small sample size, but this guy has it. This Purdy guy. Oh yeah, oh. <laughs> you're on the Brock. You're on the Brock <laughs> yes, party. This guy <laughs> is because he makes very great decisions. Like, and that's all you want from a quarterback. I mean, you can teach somebody these stupid little plays, but like, 
He makes no, good sound. I'm, I'm decisions. telling you, Purdy, Purdy's going to be out in two years, and it's going to be the Stetson Bennett show, and Shanahan's going to win multiple <laughs> no, titles. What's going to happen uh, is uh, Purdy's going to be the next Tom Brady. He'll win like seven Super Bowls, and Stetson Bennett is going to start for the Cowboys, and you're going to hate yourself watching. <laughs> That's uh, no, but uh, to finish the thought on Shanahan, this isn't like it's not just Jimmy G, and it's not just Brock Purdy. Uh, Matt Ryan, I mean, obviously Matt Ryan had a nice career in Atlanta, but yeah. like that year that they went to the Super Bowl and nearly beat the Patriots was one of the best ones. He was the OC for that team, and he got his start. Like the reason he was a wonderkind in the first place was RG3's first good year yeah. before RG3 got hurt. They won a whole bunch of games in a row, and that was a Kyle Shanahan offense. Nepotism higher, right? Wasn't his old man the head coach? Yes. Sure, you can get mad about nepotism no, hires all you mad, want, but, but you like know, the the yeah. guy is delivered at this point, yeah. right? No, he's. I mean, he does have the unfortunate like he was the offensive coordinator for the the Super Bowl collapse for Atlanta, and then uh, he was the head coach for the what was it like 10, 14 point collapse in the fourth quarter in a few Super Bowls ago. Like he's had a few, like I'm almost there, and he doesn't get there. But with Purdy, I mean, that's how it should be. He'll put it over. The uh, top. My favorite description of uh, Kyle Shanahan came from my buddy Naveed, who said, "I kind of like Shanahan, even if he looks like a character from Tony Hawk's Pro Skater, and he screwed up big time in that Falcon Super Bowl. He's clearly a good coach, and he does. Yeah. He does. Uh, Shanahan does sort of look like he might like wear some afflicted gear and also <laughs> like have fun on a skateboard. Yeah, I mean, I think it's it's pretty clear he's a good good coach uh, based on he literally is like plug and play with a quarterback position. It's very impressive. He can just plug any bum in." And do okay. What's less clear is uh, whether or not the Cowboys have a good coach and that that Mike McCarthy character. They don't. Yeah. Uh, clear to A. But yeah. but it's the enjoyable part about both Dak and Mike McCarthy from a non-Cowboys fan is that they're good enough to where you kind of can't get rid of them without like a really good backup plan, right? Right. Like you can't just say we'll just get some other quarterback and we'll still be as good a team. Also, they're on the hook, we... right? They're, they're like, I think they do. He's do like, and they can't get rid of uh, Dak like in twenty three this year because he's due like I don't know forty some million. Uh, but they can right. get rid of him beyond that. Uh, on the head coaching front, uh, how about that champagne guy? He's just there, right? Get rid of this Mike McCarthy. Bring back. If you're Sean Payton, Payton, do you really want to go coach for Jerry Jones when you could go coach yeah. for like anybody else? That's out true, there? but that like, defense is really good. I mean, the the they were in the game all the way, despite the most. It was like as if Peyton Manning was playing for the 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 Cowboys. This guy was throwing yes, picks. Yes, Dak Prescott is basically Peyton. Literally, Manning. Literally, that's, that's what, what I was saying. But this is how you're shitting on Dak Prescott is. <laughs> Saying he's as bad as Peyton Manning. Yes, very smart football analysis. That's why they come to our show to listen to that. It's a, it's a, it's a shame that that guy didn't catch it. But there was literally a pick six waiting. Like there would have been a third pick. I want to do a deep fake of of a football game and make Abe watch it. But it's a it's a Colts Peyton Manning led Colts I, game. Yeah, and. But and instead, it's, it's just Abe, you, you just you paste Jacoby Brissett into yeah, the position, else, and he's like, "Oh, this Jacoby Brissett, he's yeah. so good. <laughs> I love wanna, this guy." I want the internet to do that. Please. No chance of that happening. The Cowboys' season ended in uh, amusing fashion again last season. Of course, their season ended uh, when they could not get a final snap off in an attempt 
to come back at the end of the game, and the the referee got in the way or oh, something. Oh, that's when they were, they were, they were trying to that? set their own. They were trying to set the ball down what they wanted, and the referee like, "Fuck that! The ball is right. this, yeah, this way." And then this year, first of all, it's great because the dopey tight end uh, Schultz or something, number eighty six for the Cowboys, makes two consecutive just unacceptable bonehead plays where on this final drive they only have 40 seconds or something that they have to drive the length of the field and they still need a touchdown just to tie it and oh man like it's not okay it's not okay that we didn't get brett maher with an opportunity to kick and miss an extra point (laughs) to send the 49ers into the next round of the playoffs and i'm as as much fun as I have making that fun of the Cowboys. That was against Bob, that it, not happening. It wasn't Bob fair. experienced violence. That that didn't happen. Had, uh, but ha, Have you ever seen that, that gimmick, any any play where uh, the center, there's like one of them or two of them, like th- these very exotic setup plays, have, has that ever worked? Yeah. Oh, but first, to finish the thought on Schultz. So the Schultz guy who, like, if I was the, I, I don't know Jerry Jones' personal relationship with this guy, but the guy catches a 10-yard out and then allows some little DB to knock him backwards on his way out of bounds so that the clock keeps Continues running instead run. yeah. of yeah. stop. Right, because the rule is you have to be moving forwards right. when you go out of bounds or else the clock is going to keep keep running because your forward progress has been stopped technically inbounds. And then when you go out of bounds backwards, the clock runs. So that's just completely unacceptable. And then on the very next play or two plays later or something, he goes to make a catch and nonchalantly decides to only put one foot in when it, it looked so easy to just put the other fucking foot in you dope, which would have gotten them to nearly midfield where a hail Mary is like plausible at least, right? right? It's not likely, right? But at least it's plausible. And that that ends up being an incomplete pass. So they have to set up this goofy play where, as you're saying, they they spread the linemen all the way out to the edges, and they're going to set up some goofy hook and lateral play. And Zeke Elliott, it appears to be that he's the center, and of course he would then be an ineligible receiver, but he can receive a lateral. So the way that the play is set up is that uh, Zeke hikes it to Prescott. Yeah. Prescott throws it to the slot receiver, number nine there. And then Zeke becomes the very first person, I think, in the design of the play to get the lateral. Fine. You're still only at midfield at that point. Yeah. So who knows what the fuck happens from right. there. But I think Mike McCarthy drew this up the way that I do when I'm drawing up crazy <laughs> last second plays, which is that uh, you just hand wave the defensive part of it, right? right? You just sort of, ah, defense will sort itself out. We're going to sneak in the tight end, right? You, you sneak in the tight end, and Lori's like, ah, oh, the defense. Ah, no, 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 you sneak him in. It'll be fine. You right. just put him where the defense isn't. And I think that what McCarthy is thinking there is uh, he didn't even consider that, like, somebody would just knock Zeke over. Right. Because like, <laughs> he's bent over, and he's hiking the ball. Like, the guy who's lined up across from him can just kind of push him in the shoulders because he's not a center yeah. who expects to have to now block. Right. He thinks he's going to get up and catch a lateral. Right. So the, the, the defender for the 49ers just... Pancakes Zeke, and that's the end of the fucking play. And the best part is that Prescott, the fucking bum, can't even make a clean throw. Yeah. So the the guy who catches it has to leap as high as right. he can into the air to make the catch, yeah. which gives plenty of time for the defense the, the defender to show up and just tackle him to the ground. And that's the end of the fucking play. Right. And the end of the game. It's spectacular. The uh, this is an unethical, I know, but um, 
the only scenario that could work, you should first uh, appreciate the situation you're in that you're going to lose this game, right? So setting that... Setting that aside, uh, this is Abe's, Abe's old thing about watching football. By the way, uh, we get to the end of a close Georgia game, and like uh, Aaron Murray or whoever, Jake Fromm, the, you know, some old Georgia player sets up to do a, a hail mary or something. Abe's like, "Oh, what are you doing? Just run and punt. Just, boy, just take a knee." It's like Abe. There's nine minutes left in this game. We're only down by ten points. Aaron Murray should just take a knee. I'm going to take a nap upstairs. <laughs> they had their chance, but no. The unethical thing to do would be uh, to uh, induce a defensive pass interference with an underthrow, right? Because the one glaring right. problem with the lo- the rule is that even if you do, it's kind of like in basketball where you kind of bait. It's been an issue where people are dr- trying to draw a foul, uh, but if you, you know, they'll, they'll have. Most of their guys, like, way, way back, right? But they'll usually have at least one person playing in front of them, right? And so they'll be running with them. So just set it up to where the receiver gets ahead of him a little bit and turns around and he gets run into. And you, that's the only out because this – let's throw the ball around and let's see what happens. Never – Right. If you, get, if you get defensive PI called at, like, the 10-yard line, you get an untimed down yeah, from yeah. the 10-yard line. Exactly, yeah. yeah. So it's like – I mean, again, unethical. Because and then you score, and Brett Maher has to try to kick an extra point, and I go to bed happy. And instead, we just got that goofiness at the end of the game. McCarthy should have to go for two then. Like, that's when you have, like, no confidence in your kicker. Just go for, you know, just go for two. You would, right? Yeah. Like, you're yeah. on the road. It's the Your kicker hasn't kicked a clean extra point. Right. Like he's done it twice or something in the last eight tries. You have to go for two if that's yeah. the and outcome. That, and right? that block kick was basically going out, right? Like, I mean, yeah, there's no way it was going in. It, was, it that, hit the guy in like the lower bicep, and it was already hooking hard right. left at that. If point. it was like not a point after, if it was like you know forty some odd yards, who knows? With maybe that was the plan to get the win to kind of I don't know, but like it was so short that it was going to be wide left. All right, so the two matchups are 49ers against the. Eagles, that game will be in Philadelphia, and I haven't looked at the odds yet. I imagine Philly's like a three-and-a-half-point favorite or something like that, which is yeah. basically makes it a pick em game. Uh, who you got in that one? Uh, the Niners. I mean, didn't I tell you this uh, Purdy guy's going to win all the Super Bowls? It's going to be him That's and right. Burrow alternating Super Bowls. Joe Burrow is great. He is pretty right, So nice. does that mean you also have in the other game, you've got the, the Bengals and the Chiefs? Well, I was wrong, by the way. It's a, it's two and a half points the Eagles are favored by in the the first game. And then the other game is a one and a half point difference. The Ooh. Chiefs are catching one and a half points at home against the Bengals. Mahomes is angry. Right. So, so yeah, Mahomes is saying, oh, 100%, this and that. But that injury is a few weeks usually to heal kind of thing yeah. right so no, it's like, he's going to play and he won't he won't be mobile he'll look like he looked in the second half as opposed to the way that he looked in the first but quarter that, where it looked like he was going to put up fucking 60 points right uh, and instead he'll just be sort of running a pocket offense like a, a, a very much a contained patrick he's mahomes very good at throwing yeah, yeah he's, he's terrific he can fall back to throwing yes as the quarterback what uh what do you think happens in that one you know, without the injury, uh, I would have thought that Kansas City would finally prevail. I know, you know, poor Kansas City. This is their fifth AFC title game in a row. Seriously? Everything is going through them now, uh, as opposed to the Patriots, uh, at least in the AFC. Uh, but I'm going to stick with that. Yeah, I'll stay. Even though, like, all signs point to the, the, the Bengals uh, being a fully healthy team, at least at the skills positions, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll stick with Kansas City. 
that Mahomes will figure it out. Take the Chiefs at home as well. By the way, it's worth noting that Chad Henney, who is like my brother's age, he's so fucking old, marched down the field right. on a 99-yard drive and scored a touchdown in the only drive that he minutes. was out there. Seven and a half minutes. Yeah, so who knows? Maybe they can make it. Maybe they can just make it work with Chad Henney. Also, there's, there's no scientific basis to what I'm going to say, uh, but whenever a team does like well, like oh, they're they're operating very well, offense, defense, whatever. Just like you know, like the Cowboys look like a million bucks against Tampa Bay, and not so much against uh, the 49ers the following week. The Eagles look like a million bucks playing against your G-man. Uh, right. That's not necessarily going to translate to anything else uh it could and the same thing Bengals look dominant on the road on in in the snow against a a team that should have been much better than they were and who knows that may not you know they may be struggling throughout the game uh when they played Kansas City so who knows how it goes but I also found it uh unfortunate and very poor taste for Joe Burrow at the end of that game to just start screaming and fuck Damar Hamlin over and over again <laughs> at the gathered crowd in Buffalo. Thought that was sort of inappropriate, and that's why I'll be picking the Chiefs this, Bill this didn't week. Do that. They tried. Uh, they tried so hard to get a clean shot of uh, Damar Hamlin, but the way that the snow was falling, like they could the never snow get, and the window, yeah. it just didn't quite work. Yeah. You couldn't see him. Really there. And the the Bills went. The Bills only went to him at commercial break they didn't coordinate with cbs so that cbs could have the moment live right. as it happened they had to have jim nance like narrate the thing that had just happened and it looked like shit anyway and then they end up scoring on that drive anyway so like they tried to use him as yeah. like some sort of like uh and goal defense and it didn't work do you think that that was uh, overdone uh the coverage it was a little bit overdone yeah. yes i agree I don't know if you're saying that as it was overdone, but I'm going to agree with you and say that yes. it was, in fact, slightly overdone. What was overdone? The amount of the the, the trying to make Damar Hamlin thing a thing. And I get it, it's a, undeniably right. a thing, okay. but Tony Romo does not have Tony the... Tony Romo just isn't cool. ...the depth of anything no, to, no, no. to be able no. to pull it off. No. Uh, he can gesture, like, this thing, it's super, yeah. like, <laughs> emotional and important. Like, uh, you see... You, do you see? And I was like, yeah, we get it, Tony. But you're you're supposed to no, describe it or like. Cool. I could, yeah, that, that's a good sucks. point. He does stammer when it comes to like the human connection stuff. Like you know, the football stuff, he's fine. But like anything yeah. else, it's yeah. like, oh, I hope. Uh, no, uh, I God bless him. Uh, we're all threatened. It's like, all right, buddy, relax. No, I think he's he's fine as a color guy, yeah. as a as a as the number one team there. But don't ask him to fucking give your eulogy yeah. anytime soon. <laughs> Uh, Tony Romo and Donald Trump. Yeah. Last thing on the <laughs> on the football, when that catch happened, and it was the the Bengals Bills game, yeah. and they overturned a touchdown on video replay. The Jamar the Chase. Guy, it looked like it right. was a catch. It looks like it's a catch. He he he's at the very back end of the end zone, and as he's going to the ground, it sort of bobbles in his belly, yes, and then so he stupid. and then he resecures it against his body. Uh, at no point does he lose the ball. Right. It's just that it it bobbles slightly, yeah. and right. you can see it in four frames or something slowed down to super super slow mo in high def. So it's undeniably the case that it was not by the letter of the law a real catch. Is that how replay should be used though, or no, is there another stupid. way? Yeah, that's... Is there another way to use replay 
that would be better. You know, so so the the distinction is, you know, like if 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 that bubble happens, but it's not a reception. Like if they're yeah, what if it hadn't been a touchdown? What if he had just been in the field? Yeah, but he wasn't in bounds by the time he secured I, the ball. I just it's my least favorite rule in football is that. Is that oh the ball moved? If you catch it eventually and it hasn't touched the ground, you caught it. Right. I don't have a problem with the rule. The rule I have a he major was he didn't problem with the rule. He, the the ball was not secured in the field of play. That's not a catch. But like, it, that's just that. Right. I, I think it's unsatis- unsatisfying in some settings like uh, this weekend. But like if like how else could it be written? It would have to be. You have to kind of draw the line there because like if you had some sort of like broader like well within your grasp or whatever or just something where like it's like a you know right then it just totality. becomes immediately subjective and then becomes right. a subjective and then, thing it, and, and then right and the alter- Lori's alternative is like you just continue to bat it you could just juggle the fucking thing out of bounds for five minutes and then you catch it Why and would it's you fine do that? no but that's the thing is eventually you get a situation where a guy is batting it to himself as he runs out of bounds and then secures it three yards out of the boundary and it's like oh, oh that's a catch by the letter of the law we got to go with that like no that's not a fucking Whatever, catch that right. sucks right uh my point is not the the catch rule itself which i think as you say Abe, is you have to draw the line somewhere so it catches a catcher it's not a catch and yeah, do we always know? No, we don't always know. But whatever. My problem is that is is it, or it's not even necessarily my problem. I I pose the question: Should there be some sort of a limit, either a, a time enforced yes. limit or a frames per second enforced limit, where you have to watch the replay at full speed or maybe half speed? And if you can't make a judgment on a half speed replay, then a frame by frame retelling of the story from five minutes ago is all is just not acceptable that you you have to make the decision. You can only watch it two times and then we have to move on with our lives, something along those lines. Yeah, I think that that would be helpful because it it takes them forever sometimes and 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 sometimes they'll get it you know in my estimation wrong so it's like you we spent all this time they went in back and forth through like two commercial cycles and they're talking to this stupid NFL referee analyst that doesn't know anything like there's always this kind of covering the Gene b- Gene what do you think Gene <laughs> every fucking broadcast they now have every college Gene! and and professional sports podcast they have somebody or podcast Yeah that is true broadcast. every, every sh- yeah yeah, they have somebody in house who either travels with the A team or is back at network headquarters to consult on every single little thing it's that so goes on with the rules. Stupid because it, it's just like all the things you dudes do with the, the election map coverage. Like, oh, what's going to happen? What do you think's going to happen? Like, just sit and wait. You'll find out what the ref says. You don't have to have another guy come in here and give his opinion and wave his dick around only to maybe be right or maybe be wrong. Just shut up. The refs will do it. There should be a time limit. Whatever. I'm not Gene. sure. I'm not sure what toxic masculinity has to do Gene. with any of this. But. What do you think? <laughs> also, does it feel like uh, a lot of times? I, I mean, obviously, they're, they're former refs, uh, so obviously they have some bias. But it, sometimes it just feels like they're there as the PR. For whatever decision mm-hmm. was made on the on, on, on the field, and I, I think that's a good no call. Uh, yeah, shut yeah, the fuck up. Right, like whatever they say, they're like you know. Now that I, yeah, now that I think about it, yeah, the, the, whatever the ruling is, I, I agree with it. Because sometimes I get ahead of it and it'll go the other way, but other times right. they'll say, ah, I could kind of see it going both ways. I guarantee you, this is something that the NFL has worked out with their broadcast partners, where they want somebody in the room who's going to explain the rules so that they don't have like. 
uh, Moose Johnston on the on the Fox broadcast, right. like shooting off the mouth about how shitty yeah. the refs are. Yeah, it's I like no, nope, we got we got rules. Mike we got Mike Pereira here to explain what the fuck just happened, so that Daryl Johnston doesn't say something stupid. Sometimes having the rules is interesting because there are weird rules sometimes that you don't think about, but that's not the same as like, was that a penalty? Yeah. yeah. I wonder if they're, if they're embedded they... at, at wherever, you know, like in Secaucus or whatever they, the, in, in the NBA has it, like in, in Jersey and wherever the command center is, if they have the CBS and ESPN and Fox, they have their referee guy literally embedded with the people making decisions. And they're just, it's just like right. one PR campaign just to, smooth things out. I think that they could figure something out where they make the gambling people, because a lot of this has to do with gambling, is they don't want to get the wrong outcome when it comes, because they don't want uh, an over and under to be missed because the gambling, because a call got made wrong, and then the gambling comes in and says, is this guy, it starts raising questions, like is the referee somehow on the take in one way or another because the call was wrong, and so they rely on this video evidence stuff, but I think you could avoid that by saying, look, uh, the, the strict limits. You get to watch the replay X number of times. You have two minutes of real time to make the decision, and you can only watch it so slowed down. And if you can't overturn it with the evidence of your eyes based on that, then you, you just have to move along, and right. that's what it should be. Yeah. All right. Speaking of the uh, evidence of your eyes and not being able to believe the things that you see when you're navigating our bogus future here. First, uh, the dumbest one. Oh, they're all dumb. First, the least believable one. In my in my feed, I will make sure there's a picture of this in the show notes, but in my feed, my Google News feed this week, and then Lori ended up sharing it with us as well. No, I didn't well. share it. I didn't touch it. I just showed it to you. I shared it the old-fashioned way. I turned my phone towards your face. Walt Disney is going to be on the $100 oh, bill oh. is the headline. No, I shared that. <laughs> right, you I shared that. I got excited. That. There's a and I saw this in my Google News feed. The headline was Walt Disney to replace Benjamin Franklin on the $100 bill report, and it was uh, linking to a website called Disney Dining. And of course, I knew that this wasn't the case. I did not, for a second, think, "Oh, cool," or "Oh no," or anything along those lines. I thought that's a weird lie for Google to put into my Google news feed right. where it's not like from the onion where I know that it is in fact a satirical piece of news or something. So I Googled to find out what other sources this was coming from. And it was like a half a dozen different of these Disney blogs and reading through a couple of them, it was not clear to me that it was fake. This was being reported as sincere news. And then I got to one, like a Disney dining or something like that one where it said finally at the end of the 400 word article not that not that it required a ton of effort on my end to get to the end but it said at the end like oh and by the way this is a satirical report did you really believe that they were going to put walt disney on the hundred dollar bill it's like yeah i'll bet you a bunch of fucking people did which is why a bunch of people shared the fucking thing right Right. like it's it's what they and also also i assume most people shared the derivative right not the original just whatever the very last one. Uh, I think there isn't an original, right? But the, I think it's just a pretend. But the, the that's where it started, right? That where they disclose that hey, we're just this is for shits and giggles. I assume is that the chronological order? Like there was actually a satirical post about this thing, and then other in in like this Disney orbit, 
uh, like online picked up on it. Right. Some some somebody at some Disney blog missed that it was satire and published a sincere post saying that Walt Disney is going to be on the hundred dollar bill. And then because like it's just a content churning machine, yeah. all the other Disney outlets were like, well, oh, we got to do one because we they they're going to get all of the Disney on the hundred dollar bill traffic. I read mostly Disney news, so. And, like, it's absurd on its face that they're going to put Walt Disney on the $100 bill. And then, like, this one article that I read was, like, it's not clear what's going to be on the back of the bill, but uh, we can assume it should be the Magic Kingdom because, you know, that's what would make sense. It's like, okay, great. Uh, and, like, obviously, I was not fooled by this. It, it's not a big deal in the grand scheme of things. But to be scrolling through my Google News Feed where – yeah, there are advertisements, there are misleading headlines, there are things that are not necessarily true, but there's not usually just outright obvious falsehoods. And it's concerning to me that like a less sophisticated reader of the news could be scrolling just through their Google News feed and find something that is uh, transparently a lie and not and it's not transparently that it's a lie. It just appears to be news along with everything else. Right. Uh even like I, I do wonder like uh, they, they can possibly do these uh gimmicky currency things right like in the real world like because i would think like if i'm not in the know it's not in my feed right and i'm just going about it somebody gives me like walt disney money i would think this is some bullshit like what is this it's right. not really american currency right like and if they did like every like 18 months they like oh some mlk thing or so walt disney or brock purdy or whatever you know like whomever like i think it would just be very distracting like i, I don't think I, you know, setting aside that this is just made up, but like you can do just like let's just do some uh, stunt, you know, gimmicky thing uh, and put that in the circulation forever and ever. Right, and I only even really bring it up because it's part of the only requirement is that they be dead. Okay. Well, sure, that's the only official requirement, but they're not. Again, like there's a there's always a great deal deal of drama around what we're going to do with our money, right? right. Like there's. They want to replace Jackson on the $20 bill because uh, he was a jerk. Yeah. And they want to replace him with, like, Sacagawea or, the, or, or Harriet Tubman or something along those lines. And it just seems like uh, not worth the effort. But, yeah. again, I was not fooled by this. It, it is just slightly concerning that, like, why is Google choosing to put that sort of information into rotation on people's devices and it, there's no thought process it's not like there's somebody at google yeah, who's going human, through the right? news this and being is... like oh this is interesting yeah. i'm gonna go ahead and shove this into everybody's feed because this is interesting news like it's a problem of the algorithm that because a lot of people are engaging with it and like so i've clicked on disney shit before in my google news feed then the algorithm says here's some new yeah. google shit or new disney shit for you to read about and it's not great. And one worries as the amount of content only grows, right? And as we get these AI platforms that can generate a literal ceaseless stream of content and they can just they, they just make endless series of, of pages. And as long as there are ads that continue to populate on those pages and they can convince these algorithms to keep forcing them out into people's feeds, right. like, this is not a problem that's going to get better as time goes on, right. presumably. And again, I only bring it up because there are a number of other examples, two other examples I wanted to talk about today, including this one. This is a, a, an account called the TCMA, the Transcultural Mindfulness Alliance. If you go to their Twitter page now, you will see that it is, it is in fact, a parody slash satire account. Uh, but as of this afternoon, it was not labeled in that way. 
And uh, this is an account that it says it, it dates back to 2009, but the, this this version of the account has only been active since January, right? So it's a, it's a very old account, but it's only started tweeting in the last few weeks. And the, the tweet that got a lot of attention was the following... Uh, Aretha Franklin's 1968 song, Natural Woman, perpetuates multiple harmful anti-trans stereotypes. There is no such thing as a natural woman. This song has helped inspire acts of harm against transgender women. TCMA is requesting it is removed from Spotify and Apple Music. And that was up for a number of hours not listed as a piece of satire and managed to make the rounds on traditional media as something that people were legitimately complaining about, including uh, outlets such as like one of the top 10 newspapers in terms of oh. reach in the country, the New York Post. Aretha Franklin's song, A Natural Woman, was blasted by transgender activists. And it's just, you know, your typical fairly short post about look at this stupid thing that's happened over here with the wokes, uh, which is something that the post kind of specializes in is to poke fun at the wokes. And then they, without acknowledging that they were fooled, they then stick an addendum on at the end of the post that says, however, the group has since claimed that their original post was indeed a satirical uh, message to, after they finally got in contact with them, the group also updated their Twitter bio to now say it is parody or satire. But the Post wasn't the only ones. There were a number of other outlets that were similarly fooled that ran with this as something that was an actual outrage uh, by trans people about the Aretha Franklin song, which is not a great look for the media uh, in general. Well, I, I mean, the, the people that jump on these uh, these stories, like, basically there isn't any cost for, for doing so, right? I mean, no one is coming after other than you, obviously, Bob, uh, no one's coming after like the post or these other outlets for jumping the gun because, you know, as, as presented initially, it looked like it was a straight up sincere statement. And the fallback position always to these, uh, this is a definitely obviously fake story that you're uh, peddling. Uh, the fallback uh, defense is, yeah, but you could see how people would do that or think that like basically it's like you've already kind of concluded that this is a possibility right no it's very much it fits a narrative a preconceived narrative and i assume that the thought process is even if this is a satirical post by a satirical account it's true enough of a certain kind of thinking that it might as well be real so what's the problem with publishing it wasn't hard to figure for me to figure out that this was satire even though my first interaction with it was from the right-wing outrage machine about, like, look at what they're... They're trying to cancel Aretha Franklin now. And, like, my first thought is, I sort of believe this. Like, I, it is plausible to me that there's a person broken enough out there to insist that Aretha Franklin's song, A Natural Woman, is, in fact, offensive. Like, that, that, that's not on its face fucking crazy. Right. But then I go to this account... This and I and I look through their old tweets and they've only been tweeting for a month now. What what were they, they, they are in the in, in this, this month history? Like, what's their thing? So they were not an acknowledged parody, okay. certainly. But in my opinion, it was relatively simple for me to figure out that this was 
an account that was pushing all of the buttons of the right wing rather than genuinely trying to promote trans mindfulness or whatever the fuck it is that they claim to be doing. The first tweet that set me on my, you know, it sort of raised the raised my hackles. He says, a good friend of mine is seeking seed financing for a one-of-a-kind website called Pronounpedia. It is similar to Wikipedia, but will be a list of everyone's pronouns. It will not just feature celebrities, but anyone who signs up and wants to list themselves. Pronounpedia will do two things. Give people no excuse to misgender someone. If you aren't sure of someone's pronouns, go on Pronounpedia and look it up. And two, eventually create a digital registry where people who share pronouns can meet up. This is not in the initial launch. The challenge is thus far. How to make Pronounpedia evolve if someone's pronouns change? And how to ensure this isn't used by bigots to hunt transgenders. How to encourage widespread usage at schools to instill the value of pronouns early, right? Yeah. So, like, that's, like, okay. Like, yeah. you're pretty clearly doing a thing here. Then there's another one that absolutely sealed the deal for me where they talk about – let me see if I can find it here. I think they deleted the tweet that clued me in that it was 100% a satire, but it was something along the lines of – a friend of theirs had an eight-year-old who came to them about something that they saw on the internet about how somebody was called a transsexual and the person was upset because, of course, that's no longer the preferred term. And they asked the eight-year-old, where did you hear this awful term? And it was uh, while surfing for porn on YouPorn. And so they were they were calling out YouPorn, the, the, the website, to please modify or take down that particular video because it was harming children and therefore, by extension, harming the trans community. And that was when I realized That's, we are yeah. absolutely 100% dealing with some uh, goofy uh, satirists here. And they have since made it very clear. And now they're taking the they're taking my stance here, which is now they're getting all high and mighty about uh, journalism and the sad state of journalism and how, like, the Daily Mail and the New York Post and all of these other websites were – uh, just publishing their nonsense without even bothering to send them a DM or otherwise ask them to comment. And it's a stance that I ultimately agree with. Uh, but also, like, maybe don't just put out garbage into the world that is an obvious lie yeah. and not label it as an uh, not not label it as a lie. What were what were I, I do wonder what their uh, motivation was for not doing that for not disclosing that because you know remember. When the the Colbert character back in the day before he he's doing whatever he's doing now uh, on on Comedy Central, like it was very like obvious, like he was doing a bit, but you would occasionally hear about how some conservatives thought he was like on their side, you know. And now right. it's like in character, visual medium, very obvious. They're doing bits, and you can kind of tell if you listen to him that he's fucking with everybody, right? Uh, right, but. I wonder if a tweet is uh, the right place. Like, it's hard to do that. And it seems like they didn't do a good enough of a job distinguishing themselves from, like, an actual tweet where someone sincerely believes it. Because there's somebody out there that actually believes it. Like, if you ask right. them the right question. If you want to do jokes, if you want to do jokes, do jokes. Don't get later get on right. your high horse about how it's actually everybody else's fault that they fell for your jokes. Right. Like, and yeah, like it's super easy. It's the easiest thing in the world is to parody some of these gender identitarian types because they do, they say uh, on their own, they say insane things all of the time. Right. That's why the libs of TikTok account has been so powerful. Right. It's because they just take the words of 
uh, libs of TikTok and various other platforms and put them out there for the world to see, right? right? And it is the the absurdity of the thing itself becomes the thing that you're making fun of. And that's fine. And to an extent, like, obviously, I'm fine with these the TCMA making their jokes. But then don't go get on your high horse right. about how uh, the Daily Mail fell for it. Um, you wanted somebody yeah, to fall for it. I mean, they, they wanted someone, I mean, uh, not to ascribe intentions, but like they wanted for somebody to fall prey so they can say, ah, I was just fucking with you. But I think this blew up so much and there were so many media outlets that picked it up. They're like, wow, we got to come. Right. And who they're trying to gain traction with is people on the right. Yes. People who are already comfortable making fun of. Right. Uh, these sorts of people, right? right? And so the fact that they were found out, and now they have to label themselves as like their 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 performance art kind of shit the bed because they were too successful, right? right? Like this this is an account that could have grown organically in right wing circles for many months, presumably right. as a as a point and laugh sort of thing. But as soon as it blows up into the mass media and the the Post and the Daily Mail is covering it, then all of a sudden they are revealed for what they are. So this next one is of a similar vein, but less explicitly so, which is the latest uh, from the Mars Corporation, uh, which owns M&M's. And uh, M&M's has announced that they are going to temporarily retire the... They're on sabbatical. The M&M characters, right? You'll recall last year, a year ago or so, Tucker Carlson was up in arms because the green M&M like put on flat sneakers instead of high heels. <laughs> and they, they were trying to rebrand the M&M characters as sort of evolve them into the 21st, the, the this this decade of the 21st century, rather than be the same static characters that had been all this time. And that, that, that upset the Tucker Carlsons of the world. This is a, a article from the New York Times. How M&M's found itself in the culture wars. The candy brand announced that Maya Rudolph would replace its promotional cartoon characters, which have been the focus of a partisan backlash. The statement from the Mars Wrigley Company on Twitter says the following. America, let's talk. In the last year, we've made some changes to our beloved spokes candies. We weren't sure if anyone would even notice, and we definitely didn't think it would break the internet. But now we get it. Even a candy's shoes can be polarizing, which was the last thing M&M's wanted, since we're all about bringing people together. Therefore, we have decided to take an indefinite pause from the spokes candies. In their place, we are proud to introduce a spokesperson America can agree on, the beloved Maya Rudolph. We are confident Miss Rudolph will champion the power of fun to create a world where everyone feels they belong. Now, there are two ways to take that from the Mars Corporation, you could take it sincerely and assume that they actually are not, they actually are pausing the M&M spokes candies because they have caused such a hubbub in the culture wars. Uh, and if you took that side of things, you would be like Megyn Kelly. Yet another ridiculous attempt to empower women, Dave, by taking the stiletto heels off of the girl M&Ms. This happened about a year ago. We did a long piece on it because they thought somehow this is going to help. I don't know what, some moron. I guarantee you it's like some ridiculous guy or unattractive woman making these decisions. And yeah. so that was a year ago. And then they came out with like, I don't know, they identified which, which M&Ms are female. It's been ridiculous. It's been one thing after another. And then today we get a statement just as we go to air from M&Ms. <laughs> we have a statement from M&M's Mars Company, and here it is. 
America, let's talk. Why am I talking to my M&M? In the last year, we've made some changes to our beloved spokes candies. We weren't sure if anyone would even notice, and we definitely didn't think it would break the internet. But now we get it. Even a candy shoes can be polarizing, which was the last thing M&Ms wanted since we're all about bringing people together. Therefore, we have decided to take an indefinite pause from the spokes candies, Dave. In their place, we are proud to introduce a spokesperson America can agree on, the beloved Maya Rudolph. We are confident Miss Rudolph will champion the power of fun to create a world where everyone feels they belong. No acknowledgement explicit, but implicitly there, as to what a disaster their attempted walk down the lane of wokeness was for their company. Yeah. Yeah. God, it's just modern wokeism. One, one of the things that... I'm uh, not going to let that guy finish talking. Uh, Megyn Kelly seems like a real pleasant person, as, as, a, as a brief personal aside. I'd really like to spend some time with her. Seems like a fun chick. Uh, for what it's worth, implicitly, explicitly stated or not, uh, the Mars Wrigley Company had $45 billion in revenue in 2022, which was up from $40 billion in revenue in 2021, all which, which was up from $37 billion in revenue in 2020, according to Forbes and, and what I could find on the Internet. So I don't know what the fuck she's talking about. In terms yeah. of the campaign to change the green M&M shoe being disastrous for the Mars Wrigley Company, because that doesn't seem to be the case. They seem to be doing just fine. I don't know why this is such a big thing. Uh, Tucker Carlson, at the start of on, on January 10th, teased a, a report that uh, that his show was going to do about the new purple M&M. Woke M&Ms have returned. The green M&M got her boots back, but apparently is now a lesbian, maybe. And there's also a plus-sized, obese, purple M&M. So we're going to cover that, of course, because that's what we do. And then the next night came back on the air and said, we're still working on the M&M's report. Last night, we promised you an investigation into the new woke M&M. It's an obese M&M who hectors you about diversity. We're not quite done with our investigation. We'll bring it to you later in the week. So, uh, but we're not done with it yet, so we're going to get, I promise you, we're going to get to it. And then, so far as I can tell, has not actually, has yet to air now a full, like, almost it's, two weeks later. They're working on it. Yeah. It's a big story. You can't they rush quality. Get it right. That's true. Yeah, you can't rush quality, Bob. Like, I don't, I'm not particularly bright. I'm not any brighter than whoever the fuck Megyn Kelly has working for her, presumably. But, and, and it's not just her. Like the whole fucking everybody's talking about this as though like like how stupid is it that they're retiring their spokes candies? No, they're not. Right. This is a fucking Super Bowl commercial, you morons. Why have we like how? I, I, and I'm not the only one, I'm sure. But like, how is it not transparently as transparent as night and day? This is just a media push. Right. This is just bullshit marketing. The Maya Rudolph thing is a it's a bait and switch. The spokes candies are going to be there. They're going to show up. At the Super Bowl, I promise you, they will be in the Super Bowl commercial. Uh, why are you falling for this? Why are you so stupid that you're listening to Twitter press releases from the Mars Wrigley Company, and it's now driving a day's worth of content on conservative media? Right. You know, th this. Uh, the reason why it is being covered is 
for the obvious reason, this kind of fits perfectly with a point and laugh economy that you were kind of talking about earlier. Where basically, this is like a thing. This is like a whole thing where you you scour the internet and find oh look at these bozos, uh, something trans, or they're dressing up candy. Like I can see why th- this story gets picked up, but like I I, I do wonder though uh, if it is just a tease for a uh, Super Bowl spot, right? Uh, let's get drum up some uh, attention two weeks, three weeks out, and then in the Super Bowl, we're going to stick the landing with some funny commercial. They've built a huge multi-multi-multi-million dollar merchandising infrastructure around these characters. They're not going to jettison them permanently because Tucker Carlson talks about their shoes, right? right? That's a feature of the marketing characters, not a bug. It it doesn't, as Laurie was saying earlier, the, the attention, good attention is good, bad attention is good, no attention is is what's bad the fact that you get people to talk about it that's the whole point that is the that is the end of the story nobody is not buying m&ms because they went woke right. or something along those lines the the comment sections of the youtube below megan kelly be damned i don't believe you i don't believe that there are fewer people buying m&ms now than there were two years ago it's sort of insane to think that you can advertise candy and it has an effect on candy it's just top of it's just trying to be top of right. mind as you're walking, as you're walking down the grocery aisle. store I, aisle yeah. and, and that's so that, that's the one thing that i can't account for uh i understand these stupid marketing uh, uh pushes uh but would you want to draw attention to this topic like even if well, i mean what's the punchline that they're gonna the punchline is it is profoundly silly that tucker carlson cares about this enough to talk about it to his huge cable news audience which, by the way, is a huge audience of about three and a half right. million. It's people, relatively huge. Which means that it's it is an enormous audience for cable news during the prime time hours, and compared to the market for chocolate candies, is nothing. Right. So the uh, the number of people who laugh at Tucker Carlson caring about whether or not he gets a chub over the green M M&M and M or not is far greater than the number of angry boomers who are mad because the Mars Corporation went woke, according to Tucker Carlson, right? right? So the market is completely skewed in favor of making fun of the controversy rather than worrying about the controversy. You don't anticipate them, and by them I mean the the M&M people, targeting or taking the piss out of anyone directly, right, in the commercial. It'll just be, is still in-universe. No! Yeah. It will be a joke for the weirdly small percentage of people like you and me who are even aware of the controversy in the first place, right? Right. Like, but otherwise it'll just be, they'll just be there. They'll be the the, same normal snarky selves. It will just be nothing. Okay. To most normies, it'll just be, up. Oh, there's those goofy candies that we have come to know and love. And, like, we have to get tickets to, to get into the M&M store in Times Square because it's so fucking popular. Like, they're not going to end the use of these things because they think that they pissed off conservatives, yeah. you idiots. But also, and it ties back into the other stuff, like, what can you actually believe? 
right? Like you, you've now seen that this M&M's thing was covered in the New York Times in a sincere way. They approached it in terms of taking seriously the idea that the Mars Corporation is suspending the use of these candy mascots because of the controversy that they've caused. And they're like, transparently, that's not what's happening. They're using it as a way to gain publicity for that. They probably spent $8 million or something just on the 32nd ad spot that they're going to run. So they need to milk it for all of its worth. And that includes getting all of this free earned media from every major media outlet on the planet who's going to be talking about this now. Including this one. Including this one, right. We make no exceptions here. Well done, assholes. Except we're, at- we're another step away, at That's least. Right. We're talking about people talking about people talking about it. So so we win. Although now I am interested to see what the com- – I want to see what the punchline looks like. Because to me, it's, it seems like I, w- I would caution against delving into this. I don't like looking forward to commercials. So, but yeah, w- I know. Right. So, but w- – is it so? Am I overstating the problem, or is it a problem that like you could read a hundred articles in the next ten minutes about this, and it's all a fabrication? Yeah. That no, it's, it's, it's a problem. It's all but like it's a fucking not a lie. big problem. Right. It's just a problem. Right. And also, the the biggest problem is like I, I think like the only cure for this sort of thing is is time. Like your experience of a story five days after it first became a thing, you'll have a much better picture of what's going on than experiencing it as it comes because the first time you read something will be some inflammatory incendiary thing and then there'll be some context some clarity or it'll be a parody thing and four days later it's no longer a thing like this uh this twitter tcma or whatever the hell this thing is sounds like a congressional bill uh but this thing if you engage with it immediately it appears to be genuine uh, a statement and then in retrospect, it's not. But if you just came in today, you just came from the mountains, and you read the thing today, and it, they had the parody uh, disclaimer, and you take everything in the proper way, your experience of that story is much better than when you first came on. So it seems like if I think the people that are less engaged in news are probably better off at this point, right? Because basically, there's just so much garbage initially. Right. But we have this entire information delivery ecosystem that is primed to deliver bullshit yeah. better than anything else yeah. right yeah. it's a it's a massive problem right. and it's and it's not just the the parody twitter accounts and it's not just the individual google news feed it's the entire mass media it's the fact that the new york times sees themselves as as we were saying last week as this lifestyle brand yeah. as a, as this this it's a it's a cultural brand more than it is anything else and so it's not about the news it's about delivering information that might be bullshit, right? And the New York Times will pay no price for running this sincere piece that takes the Mars Corporation at its word in the fucking bullshit tweet that it put out about retiring the spokes candies, which, yes, by the letter of the of the tweet, they will not have lied, right? It's a it's an indefinite pause to the use of the spokes candies as pitchmen. But or at the Super Bowl, three weeks from now when they, they unveil themselves again, like then then the pause will be over, right? And so technically the egg won't be on the faces of the New York Times, I suppose. Right. But it just it strikes me as a serious problem that we have this entire information delivery system that is begging to give us bullshit at all right. times. And, and it is a like a chicken or the egg thing because like you can 
uh, we can pin the blame on the media outlets themselves, but they are likely using whatever metrics these p- companies use, responding to consumer behavior and consumer demand, right? So people want some garbage, they'll be given some garbage, right? Like I think there is, it's not right. like the New York Times, they're deciding garbage it is, right? And that's all you're going to get or, you know, whatever. It's people, oh, people are clicking on this stupid article that's total bullshit. And so you have to kind of go there, right? So it's kind of one of those things. All right, it's too late to do our uh, our big transgender article thing that came out oh, this weekend. Have to let it uh, fester another week. On your birthday, we can talk about it on your birthday. <laughs> yeah, I'll just say there's a piece in the Times headline: "When students change gender identity and parents don't know, educators are facing wrenching new tensions over whether they should tell parents when students wrenching tensions socially transition at school." And it is. Uh, piece that I found to be valuable and worth reading. And it's also something that I don't think could have been published in the times as recently as like four years ago, because there was not a great deal of interest in questioning the sort of radical ideology of the loudest people on the crazy end of the gender question. And in my opinion, it's a step in the right direction. I think it's a nuanced to the point of being, of tipping over to the of being overly sympathetic towards the gender questioning crowd, which makes sense given the outlet that it comes from, but because it steps out of line, it really really upsets some people on the left, on the side of this that I'm frankly not on, which is that anytime somebody questions any of it, uh, people just start calling you a bigot, right. and I'm not I'm not exaggerating that. It's just that. So there's this thing, and, and the lengthy article is like, parents are worried because schools are hiding the fact that their kids are transitioning from them, uh, not not letting them know when that's going on. And the response is, well, that's because the parents are bigots. And that's the only explanation is that be, the, the, if the kids felt safe enough to come out at home, then they would. And therefore, these parents are definitionally bigots. And it's like, I don't know. I don't know how to deal with it. Again, we're not going to talk about it at length, so I'll just say, again, it's this fundamental thing that you have to believe in some sort of incoherence at the at the core of it. And in this case, it's trans kids are at a far greater risk of self-harm or, or otherwise, harm from the, the wider public or from harming themselves. They're at a greater risk of violence, right, of interpersonal violence or, or violence done to themselves. And also you're a paranoid psychopath if you want to know that your kid is part of that community, right? right? So like, so on the one hand, trans kids are at increased risk of mortal harm at all times by virtue of this identity. And on the other hand, as a parent, if you expect to be told that your kid is in this one hand, then you're a fucking psychopath right. for believing right. that. And that's not my those are not my words. Those are words that I I collected from very prominent people on Twitter. And that's the, that that's just a fundamental incoherence. There's a it's a feature of religious thinking and the more it doesn't make sense, the stronger the religious worldview can be built on top yeah, of it. Yeah, it is it is very dogmatic in that way and all you know a telltale sign is that uh, not open to to any criticism even if like hey 
overall on the same side, but I do have some... Cons- oh, you're trying to do a thing. Fuck you, guy. You must be a, an evildoer of some sort, right? So it's like immediately dismissed. Any sort of like even constructive criticism is seen the same as just like uh, low effort, bad faith criticism. The piece talks to people who are dealing with like personal heart-wrenching difficulties with their own children and treats it respectfully and to me does a pretty good job it's a good piece it's a good piece which worth reading i'll make sure there's a link to it in the show notes and michael hobbs who tweets at rotten in denmark and has a couple of different podcasts to his name and a, and a quarter million followers on Twitter tweets out the Times is just openly asking us to sympathize with bigots now. Like that—that's his analysis. Uh, that that the Maybe parents he didn't read the article. It's possible he didn't read it. Right. Somebody else tweets: Is there any reporting on why the New York Times is leaning so hard into turfy coverage of the trans issue? And then somebody else tweets. Uh, The virtual absence of cerebral activity among the reporting class is nowhere more evident than in stories like this, where an immensely sympathetic centering of abusive, egomaniacal parents nonetheless proves schools and kids are right to mistrust them. Like that, just the the fact that there are parents out there who don't know that their kids are going through this and would prefer to be informed about it makes them bigots. And me being on the side of the parent who should know what's going on in their child's life further makes me a bigot who wants violence to come to trans people. Like it's just it's a completely untenable situation. And like maybe it turns out that 50 years from now I'm 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 just a hundred percent wrong about right. this. And that we'll be living in some sort of utopian genderless future where people just make up things about themselves to identify as in any direction that they want. And that's the that's the glorious future that we're living in. And nobody nobody ever has to deal with someone else thinking something about them based on their physical appearance, right? right? Which is what this sort of weirdly comes down to. And I will I I at this point i cannot be moved from this idea that our delving into a virtual existence online in the last 20 years has has separated us from our bodies in such profound ways that we reject even the notion that we should be observed by other people who will then make judgments about us in their heads that we don't necessarily like right so that's where this whole fat acceptance movement comes from it's, it, it springs from the same thing Anyway, it's a big, stupid fun not talking about that. I don't have to go into it further, and I apologize for ranting like that. What time is it? Are we fucking late? Out of time. Let's do. Let's do. If you put the clock, let's do a permanently on your screen. You never have to ask that. All right, relax, lady. Uh, Let's do Strassman here. Strassman's back. It's now time for everyone's favorite game show. Tell a friend. Did CBS News's national correspondent? Uh, senior, excuse me, Mark, senior national news correspondent, get off a good one. Stringing together hope is the Chiron. <laughs> oh, they're making violins or something. The locals say Heinemann, Kentucky is known for two things. Heinemann town, Heinemann town, where the mountains ring. Music, a point of pride here. Where the rain comes down, the trucks are sad. And crystal meth. Oh, and Appalachian what? <laughs> that was my main priority from the time my eyes opened. As soon as I woke up, that was the first thing was wondering where I was going to get my my fix for the day. 
I just didn't think about anything else. I was consumed in, in that world. In a place like this, is it hard to get drugs around here? Yeah, you could go about anywhere and find anything you was looking for. Nathan Smith was 18 when he tumbled off the back of a work truck. Surgeons rebuilt his body, but painkillers, then meth, broke his will and poisoned his future for the next 20 years. I knew that if something didn't happen, that I was either going to wind up in prison or I was going to be dead. In Knott County, Hindman is the hub. Oh, it's Hindman. Hind, not Hindman, yeah. but Hindman, to be clear. Even the local creek is trouble. In fact, it's called Troublesome Creek. <laughs> and back in July, in it's floodwaters There's like three cars in the river. Of a county where the overdose rate nearly triples the national average. This place is I'd such a fucking bar. probably about as bad as it gets anywhere. It's a crisis here. So the candidates for the school that you run is almost never-ending. Sadly, we'll uh, probably never have uh, any lack of people that are eligible to go through the program. Doug Nasal Road is a guitar maker by trade and a drug rehabber by circumstance. Doug Nasal Road. He has 12 Road. employees, all former name. drug users, some with felony records. They entered a county rehab program and enrolled in the School of Luthery as part of their recovery. I wonder how deep that goes. Oh, it's kind of... You think the rolling pin sander would take that out? Since 2012, Nasal Road has taken them in, taught them woodworking, and helped them learn to love guitars, mandolins, and dulcimers, instead of heroin, meth, and opioids. What is it about <laughs> making guitars that helps people? The nature of making guitars is, is a, it's a long curve. Yeah, the, the gratification is not instant. Opposite of drugs. Opposite of drugs. You have to commit um, a lot of labor-intensive hours to building a guitar, and you have to come back week after week after week. They find something else to fix on, they find their gratification in it, and as time goes by, the memory of the drug gratification gets smaller, and the hope of luthery gratification gets bigger. You have to sand this. Smith started here in 2017 and became the program's first full-time employee. A lot of people, they find out that you've been on drugs. You know, sometimes they look down on you. And Doug's never done that. With everybody that comes through the door, he gives them, he gives them a chance. What about making guitars surprised you? I guess it was just the, the craftsmanship that goes into them. When you see what you can create with your hands, it lifts you up and lets you see that there is things you can do without using. Over the last 10 years, more than 200 recovering drug addicts have come through this program. They've helped build string instruments sold to music stores across the country. Like Smith, they've learned to master luthery and build a second chance. Most do. The program has a 71% success rate so far. You know, 71% success rate is also a 29% failure rate. And there's some heartbreak that comes in. I have to remind myself, you know, not everyone can succeed. Some people are just not able to break free. I have hope that in their lifetimes they will be, but 
maybe not, not necessarily while they're with us. They redone the, the building we moved into. Smith is one of the success stories. He's remarried, started a new family, and became the father he always wanted to be to his three children. Everybody deserves a second chance, and all of us that got a second chance have turned our life around and turned it into something amazing. We, we make these amazing instruments. Five years sober. Yes. Congratulations. Thank you. Proud of you. Thank you. Keep it up. Thanks. <laughs> I wanna fly like a bird. In of all places, a guitar shop. They've strung together new hope and left what was troublesome to the creek. When it comes to hope, I sure use. Yeah, we got it. First of all, CBS lo morning, lo lovely piece. Mark yes. Handed Strassman. Kentucky. Beautiful piece. We gotta get back to this. That was powerful. It really yeah, was. it is. There's something special about working with your hands. Yeah. It occupies the mind in a new way, and, and it provides pleasures that can be deeper than anything you can get in a syringe or a pill. Yeah, mm -hmm. to go from feeling like oh, you're yeah. hanging on by a string to placing them on guitars is powerful. Oh, yeah. And just saying that the memory of doing drugs dissipates. All right. Uh, uh, stop it there. Uh, where's so, Gail? As King? I said, lovely piece. Totally fine. Yeah. Don't know where Gail is. Uh, Nate Burleson. Yeah. <laughs> Abe, did Nate Burleson get off a good one? Or do we have to change it up here? <laughs> he, At the end, there's... That, was, he, that, that wasn't bad. Yeah, that wasn't that bad. Uh, all right, so Mark Strassman, a couple, he, he, one at the beginning, one at the yeah. end, both involving the creek and the strings and, and all the rest. Did, did Mark Strassman get off a good one? Yeah, yes, yes, yes. That, this, that was a great... I'm offended, though, by his code switching when he was talking to that guy. Like, did that affect you? Like, no, no. Hey, he's born in Kennesaw. He's a he's a true blue southerner. He's not faking anything no. here. That's not how we talk. By the way, uh, <laughs> did that affect you? I just was happening to read this article about uh, the they identified that the cause of like these uh, they call it deaths of despair, like uh, suicide, right. uh, OD, drugs, whatever. They, they identified the demographic: white male, middle age. Uh, it, they, they track like losing faith in religion and, 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 and these outcomes. Uh, and in that story, they didn't really get to it. Like, oh, he's got a family now. Everything's on the up and up. He's making stuff with his hands. All great. But uh, I wonder if he's also like back in church or something. Seems like people, some people don't do well Probably. untethered to whatever. Right. Uh, yeah. They just kind of get lost in the shuffle. There's also, a definitely the people on the news, the anchors, yeah. the reporters. Yeah. Tell me what it's like to work with your yeah. hands and how gratifying it is. Tell me more, <laughs> you dweeb. motherfuckers with health insurance. That, that's Tony something or another, right? Yeah, he's, Tony DeCopel, yeah. He's like, oh, uh, fucking kill him. You find much more satisfaction with your hands. Yeah, you do you? Get some wood in your hands and you find it in the bottom of the needle. Let's trade jobs. Needle Let's and the damage and done, salary. am I right? Let's see how it goes. <laughs> fucking guy. Yeah, lovely piece. There's a non-trivial part of me that uh, sort of agrees with the notion that we should get people back in church, which is very funny coming from me. <laughs> yeah, for uh, some people it's good. For like or a just lot something of that, yeah, something that promotes community and you know, like just yeah. some sort of connection to to something else. Yeah, you gotta like we gotta have something. Like it can't just all be like. Like, how much satisfaction do you derive from all of your social interactions on social media? And the right. answer is a negative. Like, it's a profoundly that negative experience for most people. 
I don't think yeah. that's a social media town. They're all on Facebook. I guarantee sure. you that they're all on Facebook. Are we going to talk about Z-Biotics or no? No, probably not. God damn it. What it's time the is only it? thing I'm interested in. Oh, you just take a few minutes. About. All right. So there's that New York Times piece in the uh, a couple weeks ago now. Coming up on your 40th birthday. It's a good time to talk about it. About how old. Even a little alcohol. Oh, that's right. Can harm your health. Recent research makes it clear that any amount of drinking can be detrimental. Here's why you should you may want to cut down on your consumption beyond dry January. Abe, you used to do a uh, a brief before I had heard anyone else talking about dry January. You would go on like sabbaticals where you didn't. Yeah, you'd have yeah, like I would a, just take like a month off, like basically just to make sure that I'm not some sort of. De- I mean, I was a degenerate drinking, but I was like uh, a degenerate who can stop. Uh, and uh, after a while, you know, you start drink naturally drinking fewer and fewer drinks, and there are fewer occasions to drink. And then it was like, oh, I don't even need to yeah, do this. Well, but then a bunch of your boys get divorced, and now there's going to be way more occasions for <laughs> going right. out. And Maybe drink. I need to re-implement that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, anyway, this piece goes on to say, like, uh, you remember all those articles that the New York Times has published over and over again for the last, like, fucking 20 years about how it's actually good to have a glass of wine before bed all you moms out there yeah uh, you yeah. should probably like yeah don't feel bad if you have a glass or two of wine every night you'll be fine uh, that was wrong and yes. it t- turns out that uh, that's probably bad and the reason is because alcohol causes bad for you damage to your dna and of course uh, damaged dna can lead to cancer along with other problems with the arteries and various other issues when you drink alcohol your body metabolizes it into acetaldehyde a chemical that is toxic to cells acetaldehyde both damages your dna and prevents your body from repairing the damage dr esser explained once your dna is damaged then a cell can grow out of control and create a cancer tumor but fear not Alcohol also creates oxidative stress, another form of DNA damage that can be particularly harmful to the cells that line blood vessels. Oxidative stress can lead to stiffened arteries, resulting in higher blood pressure and coronary artery disease. So New York Times now says, stop drinking. Uh, It's bad for you. Uh, Find some other way to chill the fuck out. Uh, Here's some pot. Yeah, that's certainly one way to do it. Do you have any studies on that yet? No, it's fine. You probably shouldn't do that either. Uh, no, it's fine. It makes your brain dumb. Uh, Z-Biotics <laughs> is this product that Lori found. Uh, Julia found it. On the internet. Julia found it on the internet and then told me about it. It's this little shot that it's you like take. It's like the size of a vial of vaccine. Mm. And it comes in a little glass. It's like fucking ten bucks, ten bucks a pop. It's it not fucking on around. How many you buy? It's any like from nine to ten dollars a shot. Abe, you'll recall that long uh, practical joke sort of thing that I did for your your podcast, where I sent you a uh, hot sauce full of uh, white goo. <laughs> That's right. Uh, the Zbiotics looks a bit like that stuff. Uh, That's right. It doesn't taste like it though. It's... It tastes either like nothing or like slightly sour right but it's basically it tastes like nothing the idea is that you take this at the start of your drinking night or at some point along the way if you were drinking the earlier the better well within reason the earlier but like okay the point earlier the better before you have any drinks is best 
but if you've had one and you plan on having more, still have one. Right. Uh, in the ad copy, it says it's a pre-alcohol probiotic. Drink Z-Biotics before drinking alcohol. Alcohol produces acetaldehyde, a byproduct that wreaks havoc on you on your next day. Z-Biotics is the first and only product engineered to break down acetaldehyde. And so, of course, uh, all this shit that you hear about like with like yogurt like uh, jamie lee curtis is trying to sell you yogurt because it wants to fix your gut health and like your your biome needs to be properly adjusted yeah uh, it turns out that's probably all bunk uh you can't probably. actually remake your personal gut biome by eating greek yogurts because the body is good at flushing that shit the fuck out of there all right especially when it's not like live cultures but this probiotic is a live bacteria and you so you take the shot and it lives in your belly and before your belly can process it and get rid of it and you pee it out uh then you pour alcohol into your belly and the thing that's in there because it's a live culture uh actively starts breaking down the acetaldehyde which as we discussed in that times article is the thing that causes dna damage and problems yeah. with your arteries so they're not making that claim here they're just saying that it makes for uh better mornings because you it does aren't I've as hung this. over so does it work i mean okay. these testimonials say so oh i almost fell okay so the first couple times i i had it in denver when we were drinking okay. a little and not a lot just some and i would wake up feeling totally fine where normally if I even have like a drink or two, I yeah. can kind of feel it the next day. But also what I know is that a large part of a hangover is just not having slept well. Yeah. So I thought it could be placebo, but even if it's placebo, it works. And then the weekend before last, I went to Julia's house and we drank a whole lot, and I got very drunk. I was trying to remember the last time I was, like, drunk, and yeah. it was definitely in 2021. Like, okay. it, had, uh, it has been a long time. And at night, I was like, oh, I do not feel good. Like, this is bad. I am going to go to sleep and deal with it tomorrow. And tomorrow, I didn't feel great. I felt like I didn't sleep well. Yeah. But my head didn't hurt and my stomach was, which usually for me, a hangover is a stomach problem. Right. I was totally fine. Totally fine. Normal and breakfast, you took a, normal coffee. And you took the, the Z bot yeah. like first thing the, the day first of? Thing. Okay. It, nice. It's, it totally works. Like I could I, give this a thing I a try. I didn't feel Next. confident that it did anything real because of how lightly I used it. But yeah. after last Saturday, like that thing works. Yeah. Right. Uh, and I don't know, like I, I am highly skeptical of this sort of thing, but the, you know, if that's, if it's true that what this probiotic does is it specifically breaks down acetaldehyde and acetaldehyde has some, is the reason that some people get hangovers. Like it's not, again, it's not clear to me that a hangover is the same for every person, and therefore the cure for the hangover probably won't be the same for every person. Right. But it's interesting to me that I was reading up on the Z-Biotics nonsense and how it works 
or how it's meant to work anyway. And then I read this New York Times article last week about how the problem with alcohol is that it produces all of this acetaldehyde and your body's real bad at breaking it down and it causes DNA damage. It's like, well, that's interesting. Like, could this fucking probiotic actually be something that is some sort of mitigating factor when it comes to cancer and drinking and ending up with cancer like that would be interesting that would, uh, yeah if that's not the it. claim that this website is making it's just saying like hey tech bros out there if you don't want to have a hangover after you go out with the dudes then uh down one of these goofy looking shots and you'll be better off the target audience seems to be people who have presentations to give the next morning like yeah. it seems to very much be the the use the suggested usage is like before happy hour Go to bed early. You're good to go. No one yeah. will ever know a thing. Yeah, it's also the, a GMO, and they're they're trying to promote it as like the good GMOs, not like the bad GMOs. This is the good GMOs, and it's going to save you from bad hangovers. Uh, Regarding the uh, the article itself about like, hey, after this back and forth, and I assume this will be the final word, right? There won't there won't be a study in like four years saying, you know what, the wine is not actually, but you know, I assume they're gonna. Stick with this current position that it no. Oh no! There's no. There's zero chance. Also, said don't drink. There will be within the month. There will be an article about because you just if you look at it from a slightly different perspective rather than the breaking down of DNA, and instead you say, well, here's the thing: having a glass of wine after a stressful day helps people helps people de-stress. It lowers blood pressure, and it actually, even though alcohol has a negative impact on sleep. You know what has a worse impact on sleep is not being able to fall asleep in the first place because you're so fucking stressed. And so, like, if you take it in the holistic balance of the question, then having a glass of wine a few times a week is actually better for your overall health. Like, there will be the bounce back from this, I'm sure. Right. Uh, Right. Less so in this other one that I saw, which was, like, the the – Apparently, you go and get your nails done, and you get these like yeah. weird gels put on your nails. And so, instead of just like normal paint, they put these funky gels on there, and then they want to dry gel them. Gel nail polish. To they ma- don't put gels. To make them set. The UV light. And so, you put your fingers into this UV light, this concentrated dose of UV. And uh, there was a study a that, that came out last week that was like, hey, uh, uh, sticking your hands in the UV light is probably bad. And then I saw some people making the same sort of snarky remarks that we make about coffee and eggs and and how like, oh, well, yeah, sure, next week it'll be some other study. And I was like, yeah, I don't think so. I think yeah. the, the concentrated dose of UV light, uh, harmful rays from the sun, uh, that has been shown to cause but cancer. for like one minute, if that. Apparently, they were saying that you can stick them under there for like twenty minutes at a time. No, that's insane. That's never that's never happened. Well, don't do it. Don't do it. Don't don't put your body directly. It dries so fast. It's dry. You're done. You can go touch things. Okay, it's not worth it. Like it's like it's the same thing with the stupid tanning beds. It's just not worth it. Find some other way, uh, rather than doing obvious damage to the DNA in your skin. uh, Find some other way to exist in the world. Uh, you've been listening to Cast Iron Brains, a podcast with Bob and Abe. Head on over to brainiron.com, castironbrains.com for a show note. The opening and closing themes of the show were composed by Mark Gillig. He's at tetramermusic.com, T-E-T-R-A-M-E-R music.com. Among the things that I didn't get to today include uh, a report 
at nature.com has earth's inner core stopped its strange spin that sounds fun uh, and it's another in the long line of things that we just don't have the first fucking clue about our own Earth, as it turns out. Like, uh, there's been a lot of debate over whether or not there's any spin inside the Earth at the at the core of the Earth at all. Matter? It makes a great deal of difference. And now these guys believe that they figured out that it's on a 60 or 70 year cycle where it spins in one direction for 60 years and then it stops and starts spinning in the other direction and they think they figured it out and they think that this actually coincides uh with a lot of climate activity the vaccine uh oh. probably not the vaccine but climate activity and it's just uh one more in the long list of shit that we just don't have any fucking clue how any of this shit fucking works yeah and it's fascinating to me uh that that we insist that we do there's also a study that said that Ultrasound therapy using sound waves could have a fountain of youth effect on cells that had previously gone dormant and that like these very low level ultrasound treatment to your cells make the cells start working again, like doing the whole mitochondria business of cells. Uh, Fucking fascinating. Make sure there's links to that. In the show notes, we also didn't get to the indie romance author, Abe, who I think that you're a big fan of, uh, whose family faked her own death. And she, uh, after a year apparently dead, she came back and posted on her fan page on Facebook uh, talking about wanting to write again. Uh, She had apparently tried to kill herself with Xanax, and her husband told their daughter to just post something on Facebook that she was dead now because it was the only way he was going to get her off of Facebook. He was so mad at how much time she was spending in this world that he thought it would be better for her to be dead. Um, I thought, but then had to check while you were talking. They've been using ultrasound therapy in plastic surgery, surgery offices for years. Yeah. Yeah, it's an oh. anti-aging thing. That's not new. Well, there's it's a new just expensive. A new study came out and says that it actually probably does the thing that the plastic surgeons were claiming that it had been it doing does. for many years. I've I want to read uh, one quote from the Miss Meachin, her husband. Uh, the the Times actually spoke to the husband. Abe, the the story that you linked us to from back in January, which I hadn't followed up on any of this shit. Uh, it it made its way into my feed, and I ignored it because I thought it was one of these weird like stories about uh, like woke nonsense gone awry or gone amuck, and I didn't want to have anything to do with it. Uh, it's a much sillier story than that, even. Uh, but I want to read a quote from the husband. The New York Times spoke to the family. Miss Meachin is from Tennessee. Her husband, obviously, is a long-haul truck driver, also from Tennessee. Uh, Forgive the accent here, but I've got to do it. No. (laughs) Miss Meachin had taken a large dose of Xanax, enough to make her like a limp noodle, and was not cognitive or responsive, Mr. Meachin said. He instructed their daughter to announce her death online. He said, quote, I told them that she is dead to the indie world, the internet, because we had to stop her, period. She could not stop it on her own. And even to this day, I'll take 100% of the blame. The accolades, whatever you want to call it. <laughs> He's a fucking character, and I love him. And it was a great decision by him to pretend that his wife was dead online so that she does, would stop posting. Does this mean that this is her relapsing? 
Yeah, apparently so. Right. Uh, she's He's... diagnosed bipolar, and we can't blame it all entirely okay. on her. It's not her fault. Also, she's a very bad writer, just based on a limited exposure to her words that I've seen so far. Uh, She'll get there. Give her time. She's going to refine her. Yeah. Abe, did you uh, make it to the movies this week? I did twice. Busy week, you know. Comedy show and two movies. I uh, went to go wow. see uh, Missing, which is a standalone sequel to Searching. Uh, it's one of these movies where, like, neither of those use... are real movies, to be clear. You right. just no, made, them, made them both up. That's so you've now seen Plane and the sequel to Searching <laughs> Missing. Yeah. Sure, you have. Yeah. Actually, these titles do sound kind of ridiculous. Plane. Uh, this is one of the movies that, uh, uh, leans heavily into the twist so i'm not going to say anything more it's enjoyable enough uh the one criticism i did have is you know apple the company they uh you can't it's that it's this scheme they have where they won't lend their devices to be used with any bad character only good people doing good things on their apple products right so Wait, like, like in like, movies so if you yeah. see somebody using an Apple device, you know that they can't be the bad guy? Yeah, yeah. Basically, they have this uh, weird thing where, like, that. some evildoer is not using their Apple whatever, Mac or what have you. But this movie, they feature mostly somebody's laptop, Mac la- laptop. And uh, if you have a company that's like that, just use Android or Windows. Like, where they don't care. You can use right. anything. Like, you know, like Google, you know, some evildoer use Google for nefarious things in the movie right google doesn't care like nobody's right. like oh fuck google for that it's a stupid system they have but anyways right. the movie is fine the other movie so the second movie was women talking uh oh, no. which is basically just a bunch of women talking the story is ridiculous so, uh, it, it's it's based on a, a on a novel which is inspired however loosely by real events but some mennonite community uh one of these like religious places. Uh, so they're running. The, the men are like they're like all rapists, right? So yeah. they good. They have they're either all raping or they're supporting the rapist guys, right? So yes. the story is uh, a handful of the men in the community uh, drug women at night, and they have you know they rape them and they flee before they come to, and so they've been getting away with this. I think they got up to like a hundred women of varying ages. These people are just like doing all kinds of things. Eventually a couple are identified. I guess the, the drug didn't take or whatever. Basically there was eyewitness. They spotted a couple. The next day they arrest the culprits, right? And all the men except one, this is why I was like, man, I guess everybody's into the rape in this community. Everybody except one man went to bail out the, 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 the few people. I don't know what the bail system they have in this community, but apparently you need everybody to come in and vouch right. for you. I don't know. But basically, it was just kind of this plot, plot contrivance to get all the men away from the community. And so all the women get together. They get some representatives, like eight, eight of them, and they sit down and they talk through what to do. Should we stay and try to seek justice? Stay and just let it slide? Because the religious uh, community that they're in the rule is the women have to forgive the men or they won't be let into heaven, right? This is a scam they're running. Convenient, right? so, yes. Yeah. So so, Or they can just uh, forge on their own I take back what I said earlier about people going back to church. Uh, never mind. I was wrong. Right. 
<laughs> yeah, I guess it, it works some of the times, but basically there, the, the, it's kind of like a 12 Angry Men. It's just like, it's almost kind of like a play. It's like a one setting kind of movie where right. they're talking through and they have all these concerns. Well, we can't get to heaven and uh, what the hell are we going to do about well, uh, I certainly surviving? hope I certainly hope that that one guy who stayed back and is not a sympathizer for all the rapists had an opportunity to say his piece and that he was taken very seriously. Also, did he have an iPhone? <laughs> no, no iPhone. And that's the other thing. So the movie, they, and this was a deliberate choice. It, it seemed deliberate from the get-go. It, they were kind of playing around with time. It wasn't clear. Was this in the 1800s? Was this in the well, present they're, day? Because they're the Amish types, right? Yeah, they're, they're Amish. And, yeah. you know, there's no context clues. Beyond, you know, it's like this right. could be, you know. And so I guess they were kind of playing with that. This could happen at any time. And actually yeah. the story that it was inspired by happened in 2010. Like this is right. – and the movie – it becomes clear that it's 2010 because the some census guys coming by is like, hey, we need all you weirdos to come out so we can give an account because the government needs to get does a count. And we'll does, it get, does it get the Abe thumbs up? Yes. Yeah. yeah it's a pretty good, good movie. The, the, the one criticism I had was so uh, – being in this uh, very repressive uh, religious community, uh, the women naturally don't go to school, right? So they're all uh, uh, they haven't been formally trained, uh, and they have no education. They're illiterate, right? So that's why the one man is there to take meeting notes, right? Right. That's his role. Shut the fuck up and just take notes. The women can read or write, right? And they are speaking, all of them, like Aaron Sorkin characters. Right. And it's just like <laughs> a great deal of learned erudition throughout this uh, right. process. And, to, yeah. and, and despite well, all of this... Women are natural elo- communicators, Abe. That's yeah. just innate. We don't need book learning. We just right. automatically... Which is fine. I'm sure there are a lot of people that are that that can be eloquent with that. Is it but, fine, but, Abe? Doesn't sound, it sounds but, like you but, didn't believe this for a second. But one scene they could have done without was that one of the characters, uh, after all of this back and forth uh, speaking, they have a talk with a guy, the one guy that's there, and, and they're like, what is that? And he's like, oh, that's a comma, and this is a period. And like, it's, it just was like, all right, we could have done with that, that thread of the movie. Otherwise, pretty decent movie. Yeah. Uh, we didn't watch anything. We, we watched, watched Back to the Future. Back to the Future with the children. The uh, they had never oh, nice. seen Back to the Future before. We're gonna, you know, as we they get older, we get to show them better movies. Like uh, the but, first installment, yeah, the, or? the first one, yeah. And it's a it's a terrific movie. There's no getting around it. It has the reputation that it deserves, I think, largely. And of course, the kids are. Very excited to talk about it at all times. It's literally all Calvin wants to talk about. No kidding. Yeah. Nice. And it's like it's a it's a movie that sort of demands that level of engagement, at least. Like it's it's a obviously it's a very popular and dumb movie in the way that very popular movies usually are. Um they were just apparently the exact right ages to show them. Yeah, they're the right age for Katie, who gleefully watches the mummy and Jurassic Park. And wants to see bodies torn apart. The second George McFly is pushed out of the way of that car, she was filled with concern and stress the entire movie. Uh, She's like, oh, he fucked up the timeline. (laughs) They've got to fix it. He fucked up the timeline. Like she knew right away. He wasn't going to get back. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, she doesn't like the time space. Also, in the third Harry Potter, they do time travel stuff. She doesn't like it. She's like, okay. this is done. Mm-mm. Yeah. Mm-mm. Wait yeah. till they wait till we show them Looper. Yeah. No, they can't see Looper anytime soon. That's uh, 
too much. It's got big, ex- like just exploding bodies in it. It's, just, it's too much. But just Katie, uh, then. Back to the Future. My argument with the kids about it has been: Who do you think the main character is? Because wait, of course the wait, have Abe answer. Right. So Abe, uh, yes. I assume that you've seen Back to the Future. You never know with you. Sometimes it's like Indiana Jones. <laughs> Who's this? Who's this? <laughs> I watch most of them now. I've caught up to the uh, Indiana Jones. But yeah, no, I've seen uh, the uh, Back to the Future. This is uh, the, the he goes back just in the, the 50s. Uh, she's like, who's Calvin Klein? Or right, she right, thought exactly. his name was yeah, Calvin so Klein. So just that first movie, who's the yeah. main who's character? Who's the main character in Back to the Future in the first movie? It's not I thought it was the guy. Wasn't he the, the, the Michael J. Fox character? Who yeah. else was it? Yes. It's, right. That's, so that's, that's the, the normal correct take is just to say Michael J. Fox as Marty McFly as the main character. I, I, my argument is that the actual main character is his father. It's George McFly. He is the character who experiences something like a traditional character arc where he starts as one thing and then has a fundamental change in his character to become a better version of himself. Marty is just the fucking spoiled teen who goes into the past and just like gets the prize at the end. He gets the sweet new ride and he gets a better future for himself, but he, he, he does not change really fundamentally in any way at all. And in fact exhibits in his big hero moment on stage at the end, when he starts playing Johnny B. Good and he goes crazy and he does the Jimi Hendrix thing and he does the Eddie Van Halen thing and he kicks over the amplifier and like everybody's freaking out. In fact, he exhibits the exact same level of immaturity there as he exhibited at the start of the movie, went on stage and, and was sort of just being too loud, according to the, the critics in the audience. Experiences no growth, experiences no change. He's simply the vehicle okay. yeah. on which we have placed well, the, main character. The, the plot movement. But he's, yes, I, I will grant you he is technically uh, the main character. But the character of interest and the true main character at the heart of the story, the reason that the story has a heart at all, is not Marty. It is his father, George. And I'm not wrong about that. Right. And the, the only other thing I would say is, uh, I mean, the... It's important what happens to the old man only because you care about the kid, right? Like, it's like, it's important that he... I mean, whether or not time travel is invented is is, yeah. is important. Because if Doc Brown doesn't invent time travel, then, then that's... Well, but the point is that the George McFly has to become a better version of himself in order for Marty to get back to 1985. Right. And if... Like they, they, he tries to like Marty tries to set up this big convoluted thing where he hits on his mother and his mother finds it offensive and then therefore dad can come in and pretend to be the hero. But pretending to be the hero wouldn't actually have saved his ass. George actually needed to become the real hero to save the day. Well, we'll leave aside the sort of grosser points of mom just mm-hmm. being a victim here over and over again just being yeah. a horny victim it that was the poor 50s, woman so that's all women were yeah just horned up victims abe uh, oh, and last of us real quick episode 2 of the last of us was did fine did you watch it did you yeah, watch it i did watch it i do like the uh uh the cold open the oh like just to kind of give some con- because if it was just just like in the present time or whatever it is, uh, it would be one thing. But like at the beginning with that lady, it's like holy shit, just bomb. When that like, stuff came out of that mouth, I was yeah, I almost uh, couldn't watch the rest of the episode. I was yeah. so disturbed. 
I really, really don't like mold. Okay. Uh, and fungus. Yeah. Uh, I had an experience at the bar where I used to work where there was a very large, scary thing. Yeah. Uh, makes me like actually just... sick in my stomach. So when that stuff came out of that lady's mouth, it's just like, Ugh. oh, not I don't only, know how much of this I can do. Only got worse at the end of the episode <laughs> when it comes yeah, out. Yeah, but of... everything was going to explode. So yeah, fine. the uh, I agree that cold open was solid, and I would like the, the problem with the cold open is that I would like to watch the show that is about to, the 2003 timeline. I think you are watching it. Yeah, but we're not going to see it. I don't think we can expect to see a ton from 2003. Some. Uh, only a, only a little bit. I agree. That was fantastic character work by that actress, that middle aged Indonesian lady or whatever she was. Apparently, she's who, the Meryl Streep of Indonesia. Oh, oh yeah, is she is she famous yeah. there? She's like known over there. Yeah. She does a very believable job of in a very short period of time creating a character who you it, it, it is believable that that person knows what she knows, and then she demands that the military just bomb the shit out of her city in order to save the world. And I guess they didn't, is the the it, bottom line. Or it well, didn't matter. I, I, I thought they did, maybe in a limited way, because didn't they, in, in the present time, they were pointed to, like, oh, they bombed this part, or they did something. Yeah. Sure, they tried to bomb Boston. It was too yeah. late. And it seems like uh, we're being led to believe that the reason that Joel, that, that our main character survived at all, is because his daughter didn't, he forgot to pick up the pancake mix, right? So there's oh, a God. recurring thing in the first episode where they don't get to have pancakes and then they don't uh, eat the cookies because they're not chocolate chip cookies. They're they're raisin cookies, so she doesn't have any cookies from the neighbor. And then they're talking about having biscuits, and she didn't have any biscuits either because she actually doesn't like the biscuits. Uh, and then we find out that the whole thing started because of a, a flour factory in Indonesia was the the – first vector for spread oh, I not put that together at all oh yeah. okay Look at that. and so i th i think that he didn't get his breakfast pancakes and he didn't get his breakfast cake and that saved his life i think is what we're uh, being led to believe here which Look is that. cute that's a good way to spread uh, gross mushrooms right and yep. is to have a outbreak at a flower yep. factory in indonesia I I was uh, – I'm glad they didn't go this route, but uh, I was so sure that in the uh, cold open uh, before the, the show starts uh, that when she's like, I just uh, – you know, when she assesses like, oh, we're fucked. Like there's 14 unaccounted for people. This whole thing right. is spreading. Uh, bomb the fuck out of us and uh, I need to go home and uh, cuddle my family. I thought the guy was going to be like, oh, no, no, no. We're, we're going to execute you like, uh, like right. the protocol <laughs> dictates. <Right. laughs> You're not going anywhere. No, no, no. You can't go anywhere. <laughs> Please come into the next room here. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, good good show. It's fine. Like I don't expect to be blown away by this show from a philosophical but standpoint. It's on Sunday nights at nine o'clock on yeah. HBO. But yeah, we'll keep watching it. So, Abe, uh, hey, you uh, got anything else for us tonight? Nope. Well, I guess that's all we've got for tonight, then, and we will talk to you next time. Later. <laughs> Oh, the egg thing. I forgot to talk about the egg, egg Eggs prices. Eggs are expensive thing. So, Very. No, let's not talk about it. No, I'm just pointing out. It uh, There's a, a group of farms that's come out that says it's collusion by the suppliers. And that... Uh, oh, a little price fixing. There's a price fixing thing going on. And... Okay, well, I'm still going to buy them. That's probably why they're There's doing this it, one, right? one in particular... Yeah. 
went from $50 million in profit to $535 million in profit. Wow. Wow. Uh, Calmain, the name of the of the corporation is Calmain, which is a major egg supplier. It supplies like 25% or something of the nation's eggs. And they went from a $50 million profit year to a $535 million profit oh, year. Oh, good for them. It's not. It's very bad, and they're not allowed to do that. Uh, it's crazy how speaking. they have a oh, cover story, allowed. right? I mean, they, 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 all the birds that they need to kill off because of some, the, some flu right. that's... Right, avian flu killed forty million birds right. or something like that. Right, uh, it was a one percent decrease in the number of egg laying hens how or something many? along those lines. That's how many fucking hens there are. And by the way, wow. uh, according according to this group of farmers, they experienced growth in the total number of eggs. The supply didn't actually drop, even though no the, the, there was way. a drop in the supply of hens. They're saying that more eggs were actually made. So the entire thing has just been taking advantage of this. So like there's 20% increase in the cost of fuel, 20% increase in the cost yeah. of this and that. Apparently it's all fucking bullshit. So wow. like do we class action lawsuit and I get like $9 back? <laughs> They're taking advantage. I don't know, but... Uh, it wasn't that long ago. I was buying 36 eggs for $3, and now it's 36 eggs at Wegmans for $9. Like, it's wow. fucking insane. And I eat... Well, I've cut back because they're expensive. I only eat two eggs every morning, but I need three. I'm hungry. Yeah. No. But I what can't afford it. Anyway, yeah. Make sure there's a link to that in the show notes, too. All right. Anyway. Good night. Good night. Good night. The first tweet there, it says, Splish, splash, I was taking a bath would be an insane way to start an actual story. Which is a pretty good, pretty funny tweet. That's, that's funny. Yeah. And I said, Ryan Johnson's first draft of Glass Onion had Benoit Blanc voiceover of exactly this, but Netflix couldn't get the rights. That is funny, Bob. It's a funny yeah. tweet. It's a good joke. But yep. you don't need people to remark upon Not it, do jokes. you? I mean, 60 views and no interactions. It's, uh, what am I even doing here? Not bad. 60 views. <laughs> Look at the bones!